I was very excited for Drive Club before it came out because I had a copy of the game uh, pre-release. So I got a chance to play it. I went on. I, I put it in my PS4. I played it. Everything worked fine. All the all the online worked fine. Everything was was working great. So I was like, okay, this is really cool. I'm 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 actually excited. I, I don't I don't get excited about rest, uh, wrestling games about racing games very often. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, when a good when a good Ridge Racer comes out, I am very very happy. I'm in the same boat. Otherwise, it's it's give and take. Um, but I was very excited about Drive Club. Just because it had a lot of these social aspects that seemed interesting to me. I played it online. I got to experience many of those aspects. Um, but I couldn't make my club because you have to have more than one person in your club before it's official. So I was like, all right, tomorrow is launch day. I've sent out three different invites to, to friends I know. I know they're all looking at picking the game up. I'm excited to have my club working and everything. And I don't remember. I mean, that was like, what, se- September or was it October? You might have gotten some review code uh, late September. The game was released early, like first week of October. Okay, first week of October, yes. And now we're almost to the first week of December, and everything in the game still does not work. There are still aspects of that game that are not functional. Almost two months after it came out. That, that, is, that is just... That is unacceptable to me. And... You know, I mean, part of the argument is, well, it'll it'll get fixed and it'll get better, you know. And and you look at like a Diablo three, for example. Diablo three came out. That was a very very messy launch. Um, a lot of on problems PC in twenty twelve. Yeah, people bitched and moaned. Blizzard went back. They fixed a lot of things, and now everybody's loving it on consoles and PC and whatever. And and I get that games can survive that kind of rocky beginning, and become something great. But the problem I'm seeing is that everybody I know who was interested in Drive Club has moved on. Because Drive Club came to a point where there were plenty of other games coming out. And when Drive Club didn't work, I just moved on to the next game. And I just don't know like that I want to go back. Like I don't like that excitement for for me for that game is is dead now. And I shouldn't be sitting here two months later still unable to you know experience the full amount of what the game postal offered me I, I almost want to say I'm speechless but I'm, I'm really not it's it's a very unfortunate spot to be in like you think of the hard work or the long hours that the developers probably put into that title there is some beauty there to be appreciated uh, there are some aspects if you just want to drive and have fun some of those elements are currently there, but I think the biggest hiccup for Drive Club was in how they pitched and marketed the game. If this game was marketed as, you know, kind of put the pedal to the metal, enjoy the beautiful scenery, uh, you know, the technological feat uh, visually, and then the multiplayer was in the background and, and those other aspects which weren't, you know, touted, might be a little bit different story. But when your bread and butter is the the club aspect getting friends to join in, you know, all of these online heavy elements that, and the game was already delayed a year to I was not just, have that. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I mean, that you have to appreciate too that this is a game that came out almost a year after it was supposed to be coming out. And this is a game that Sony heavily pushed as being this like kind of free experience at first for the PS4, one of the first launch titles, you know. So when all of that happens, like... Just after they got an extra year, and I, I look, I don't, I don't develop games, so part of this might be completely unfair. But you get an extra year of development, 
and now still two months later it's not working like at what point is this game actually a real game you know how long after we were promised to drive club is drive club going to properly exist well and speaking of racing games to here's the uh to, here's a fork in the road uh Speaking of games, how they launch incomplete and with numerous updates become something different. For racing enthusiasts out there, Gran Turismo 6, which had somewhat of a quiet launch in December of 2013. If that game were reviewed today on PlayStation 3, I, the review today would be strikingly different for that game nearly one year ago. Whether it be for modes that were added in that weren't their day one which were present in Gran Turismo 5 whether it be new features and I dare say recently a club type aspect which was introduced this past week on a title you can probably get for like 20 bucks or on blowout for PS3 which I dare say right now is pretty much a frame what I feel is happening right now with GT6 is they're implementing all of these things and taking proper care of it as prep for GT7 on PS4. So I think the developers and stuff are testing a lot of stuff out with this framework they've got right now just to see how things work. But getting back to the Drive Club aspect, well, it's me, one of those things... Ask, let me ask you about that game, though, real quick, uh, because you brought it up. But was that a case of where the game that launched was a, was a broken or bad game? Or was it the case of, over time, what was added to that game made it an even better experience or a different experience? Uh, mixed bag. There was, because, I say mixed bag because there were elements and options that were in the in GT5 that weren't in 6 from the get-go. So some of these things became available. It's not like they had never been seen before in the Gran Turismo series. But also on top of that, there have been new modes and new things added which had never been there before. Uh, was the game broken on launch? I don't think that's fair to say. I mean, there was still a game there. There was a multiplayer aspect. It had a new... When I say new menu system, I remember reviews saying like the menus and stuff were redone to cut down on load times. All they really did was give you more of the simulation mode type setup. Like, there's a whole arcade menu setup. Like, arcade mode is still there. But like when you went into arcade mode in GT5 and you cycled through the tracks or cars, it would load up like the entire car model or give you like a little bit of a streaming view of the track in the background. Mm -hmm. They've essentially eliminated a lot of those loading heavy aspects and now given you more of a, the, the simulation mode or like the GT life or whatever it's called aspect. So yeah, they, they, they were slick. They... They came through on their promises to cut down on load times, but they did that by elim like, like eliminating certain visual aesthetics that were there previously, which were taxing on the system, if that makes sense. Right. So long story short, but yeah, GT6 today I, is, is a different game in many ways than it was. And Drive Club may be the same, but the what Drive Club doesn't have going for it is it's not a long ongoing series with a you know well, I was fan, like, well, yeah, a well, yeah, fan base you know, with a fan base that's willing to put up with the, the time right and and willing to stick around while whatever needs fixing gets fixed right yeah this is a game that's supposed to be trying to like find its footing and at this point at this point i just i think people are just going to give up on it i mean why why would people stick around for this game 
because I mean, I mean, because they they said, well, you know, for your troubles, we'll give you a, we'll give you one of the DLC packs for free, which has, I think, like four <laughs> tracks and a few cars. And I'm like, are, are you kidding me? Like that's your that's your fix for this? Right. That's not a fix for this. It's it's almost two months now, and some of the function of this game still don't work. Like just giving me one of your DLC packs for free is not a fix. Well, not to add gasoline on this fire, but correct me if I'm wrong. They still don't have any sort of PlayStation Plus version of it available no, yet, correct? No, no. I mean, that's a whole other element we could get into. Not only was this game supposed to be launched for PS4 a year ago, they also promised uh, PlayStation Plus the game to be free. Now, not only has a lot of that been stripped out with more of a demo version of that game to be available for PS Plus subscribers, but that watered-down version still isn't available as of this recording. Yeah. I, I just, you know, it's... And I know there's another topic you have to talk about um, that I think makes sense to kind of transition into here. I... Going into the beginning of this year, I was 100% gung-ho for the PS4. And I'm not saying my opinion has changed. I, I, I still think the PS4 is the... If I was picking one... I, we have to call them new gen platforms. I hate the term new gen. I, God, I hate that term so much. Uh, but if if I'm picking one new gen platform to 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 put my chips on for betting, I'm I'm putting them on the PS4. But I would argue that my, the the least interesting console this year has been the PS4 because I just think that like when you look at at um, because of delays or because of problems with games or whatever, I mean, on the indie side, I definitely think the PS4 has, has had more offerings, but like on the kind of big, you know, retail game side, like just the PS4 just looks really crappy this holiday. I mean, I mean, if you were, if you were standing there, I mean, we know what you own and we know what you're going to say you now own, or I know. If you were in a store right now, Anthony, and, and you were looking at a shelf, and you were looking at all the games available on shelves, you can't look at digital downloads because you can't see those, because you don't have Google Glass on or whatever. Uh, you're standing there in like your Toys R Us, or your Children's Palace if we're back in 1980, um, and you're having to decide between these two systems, like right now, just seeing what's on shelves, seeing what's being offered up, like which, which one of those two systems would you pick? Oh, I did what anyone else would do in this situation when things get tough and things get a little boring on the PS4 side. I just went out and bought an Xbox One. You did. <laughs> and I mean, I am, I'm a person who has, has definitely had a bias towards PlayStation. But if I was going out right now and only picking one of those, not thinking, let's see, because I think people like us have to come at this from a different ma- mindset, right? I, I never, I never... Like, there's all these things about, like, how, oh, the, the PS4 has no games or Xbox and a lot of games or whatever. Like, if you're, if you're expecting the first year of any console to be good, you're, you're a sucker. I mean, just, you, you can't do that. And I think both of us have been around long enough that we know, like, the first year or two is a wash for any system. You know, so, like, me going into a store, I'm, I'm buying not only for what's out now, but what's coming out later, the potential. But if I'm just, like... Joe Average in a store and I'm looking at those two systems and saying which one to buy I'm going to Xbox One at this point because just I like there's just been way more interesting actual releases retail wise 
big game wise on the Xbox One. Like it's you know I just like I don't know what I, I don't know what Sony was mm. thinking for this for this holiday. I, all right, okay. All right, all right, argue argue me because I'm 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 the I'm the super hardcore PlayStation fan here, and I'm saying this. So I'm the PlayStation. Argument. I'm the PlayStation fan as well, which which sounds crazy, having just admitted that I bought an Xbox One recently. Now, there's a lot of reasoning that goes into this. It was it was Connect, wasn't it? You just, <laughs> you just could not stand anymore not having the Connect. Well, I'm trying to think where to start. I don't think there's a lot as of right now that separates the PlayStation Four and the Xbox One on shelves. I think we need to get specific because fans are going to be tweeting us and emailing us. Uh, you know, they're going to be emailing generic at morningproject.com going, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Uh, there's another wild card in this if you're looking at store shelves. Uh, there's another system that some people may actually pick present day. Well, yeah, and, and I'm, I'm, but, yeah, I'm, I'm putting that aside because I think that's, I think that is so much its own world at this point. I, I think what I'm about to say may be more fair. There is such a drought in terms of exclusive original IPs on the PlayStation 4 right now yes. that the Xbox One is currently more enticing by a hair. Now, you have to go in with this mindset. Third-party-wise, the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One both have a lot of stuff if you're into mainstream, cutting-edge 3D gaming. And when I say 3D, I'm not talking uh, like Avatar. I'm talking 3D polygonal environments like the latest Call of Duty engine or Assassin's Creed. If you're someone that's into mainstream gaming and you want a lot of choices and you don't care who makes the game, you're just looking for the big AAA titles... The Xbox One and PlayStation 4 are pretty much on the same plane. I think in this discussion what we're getting into is if you take all of that out and you're looking for a little bit more of a unique experience this holiday season and you're looking for exclusives on a system between the Xbox and Sony only, there's such a drought that Xbox One has it beat and, and it's not like it has a ton of games on that front. No. But it does have PlayStation beat holiday of 2014 in that respect. And I think it's all coming down to Sunset Overdrive. Well, but, but to be fair, okay, so Xbox, this, this holiday, it has, it has, you have Forza Horizon 2, right? You which have, I really don't want to count, but that counts. Well, okay. But I mean, if we're driving, if we're counting Drive Club, which we have to count for the PS4, I otherwise it has Drive Club, nothing. Yeah, but right. Um, you have Forza Horizon 2, which is a a big, big for some, I would say. A, right. Or, or, it has or, a fan. Or mid, I'd say it's right there with Gran Turismo in mid, terms mid, of like Carter, Mid-Carter sequel, okay? Yeah. You have Sunset Overdrive, which is a brand new IP. And you have Halo Master Chief Collection, which is kind of the, is, is pretty much the biggest uh, HD remaster you could have for the platform. So I, I think you're. I think on the Xbox One you're hitting three different things there. You're hitting somebody who wants something familiar but new, somebody who wants something brand new, and wants something like that kind of like old comforting blanket, you know, that they refuse to throw out. Right. But on the PS4 side, you literally this holiday you literally have Drive Club. You have Drive Club and I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You have Little Big Planet three. To be fair. Oh, right. Well, I don't mean, oh, like it's junk. I mean, oh, you know, it's an excellent title, but 
you know, if we're allowed to go back four months and maybe they should have held off on the timing and not knowing how things turned out this holiday on that front, you know, I would have said that Sony PlayStation 4 has one of the greatest games of all time remastered, which is The Last of Us. That's fair. No, but that, that, that fair. you know, That's but fair. hey, with the attention spans of Nats, including myself, with the wave of titles this holiday season, week after week, and nonstop, you know, The Last of Us seems like it was ten years ago. Yeah, and I guess I mean, like, look, I love I love Last of Us, and I I think I think the PS4 version is the real version of that game, um, no questions asked. But but like, even though I'm not a big Halo person, like the Master Chief Collection is just such an amazing deal for what you're getting that. As much as I do love The Last of Us, it kind of like it's it feels like a very uneven comparison. You know, you have one one release where you're getting four complete games where they completely reworked online when it works multiplayer system um, that that has you know months and months, if not years, of of life to it versus one remastered game. And a multiplayer mode that I personally really love, but is nowhere near the level like a Halo. Uh, to to echo to reiterate this again, on the exclusive front, PlayStation Four is very ill prepared for this holiday season. I, yeah, I, yeah, I think it's I think it's just it just and listen, you know, using using your head, you say okay, things are actually pretty even. If you look back at what came out last year. What came out earlier this year and what came out now, things are pretty even. But like, I think from my heart, like, I just feel like, man, the Xbox is really just firing on all cylinders right now. You know, they they're they're being very very aggressive in the pricing. They're being very aggressive in their bundling. They've done a ton, and the argument's going to be, well, they had more catching up to do. But they've done a ton of user interface updates on I mean on a monthly basis, whereas Sony like took forever to get out one big one recently that that added some cool things but still had not fixed like fixed like core common parts that need fixing you know I, I just i just feel like i feel like it's funny because i was the exact opposite last year last year i felt like okay microsoft's kind of phoning this in and just expecting us to buy this no matter what whereas sony's really busting ass to to do something you know worthwhile and catch our attention but i feel right now like sony's just kind of coasting along on all that goodwill and all those sales they got whereas microsoft's like i'm in back my back's to the wall these people are going to kill me unless i fight my way out you know uh, i have i have a few things to say first thing i'll say is just to clarify for listeners and before we get beat up if i were in a store right now and I don't want to be morbid. And I wasn't going to see 2015. <laughs> and I'm in the store right now, and I don't have any con- any current consoles. And I'm just judging by what's on the wall. And there is literally no tomorrow for me. I've got maybe a week left to, to play to my heart's content. And I'm not concerned with how good PlayStation 4 is going to be next year or Xbox One or whatever, if I'm going by the now, the present day, looking at the major AAA franchises and exclusives, I could make an argument that I would maybe walk home today with a Wii U. No, I I, I could totally make that argument. I, I totally could. I mean, as down as I can be on the system sometimes, 
Like the the, the Wii U. I, I mean, you know, you have to also just give it to man. This 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 year, like this year, started off crappy for that system. I think, but boy, has it like shaped up in, in like the last half of this this year. It's it's a weird situation because I kept you have to keep watching my words, my terminology, the Xbox and PlayStation respectively in terms of exclusive content this holiday season, mm-hmm. they're lacking, and it's the reverse mm-hmm. on Wii U. Wii U can't catch a break when it comes to third parties. Hey, yeah, 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 it got Watchdogs. Oh, uh, and it didn't sell. Week, you know? and it didn't sell. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I shouldn't be making light of that. But it's like they have the opposite issue. But when it comes to exclusives and almost like the Disney brand. When you're looking for the, the franchises that you can find nowhere else and having a little bit of variety this holiday season, Wii U, I would say, for 2014 is the winner in that respect. Yeah, no, I said, yeah. If, if, if you're saying, I don't live past December 31st, 2014, right. and I can only have one of these three systems, I'm, I'm probably picking Wii, Wii U. I mean, I don't, I, don't know. I don't know. It would be tough. Yeah, I said, if we're only picking on exclusives, because I, I just want to be clear before people get mad at me. If we're looking at the entire picture, if we're looking at quality of third-party games, if we're looking at downloadables, whatever, I absolutely pick the PS4. Because I, it, it just has way more downloadables, way more interesting things in that in that regard. You know, uh, the third-party games are better on the PS4. But in just in terms of exclusives, as we're talking about now, I definitely think right now my heart says... Number one Wii U, number two Xbox One, number three PS4, or no, or, my... or maybe or maybe number three uh, Vita, no, number three uh, 3DS. They, no, they still making games for the Vita. All right, here, here, okay. Num- number one 3DS, number two Wii U, number three Vita, number four Xbox One, number five PS4. <laughs> my completely so, arbitrary list. And, and here's the, here's my second statement. If I go into old school Anthony brain mode, looking at the lay of the land for this holiday season, and I mean this, this isn't just to bring it back to Sony. Knowing myself and the stuff I like, I would be forced into a PlayStation 4 this holiday season for one game. Guilty Gear XR. Mm, yeah, no, that, you know, that's, yes. If, if, we're, if we're including third-party exclusives as well, then that... That uh, that that definitely changes things. And, we, and we'll talk about that a bit more later this episode. I'm not meaning to open that can of worms right now, but I want to make this clear to fans so that so that I'm not lying. Like, I know myself, and after we just had the beautiful Sega discussion on the recent GBGP and my passion for fighting games and unique art style, et cetera, et cetera, that would make me get a PS4 this holiday. And then lastly, the last statement I want to make on this conversation to, for, for the current state of it, my Xbox One purchase came down to, ironically, a, a maneuver which was discussed heavily in our last Sega episode, which is mm. smart marketing, lowering the price, a great game, making one bite the bullet. I did not go into this holiday season going, I got to have an Xbox One. I really don't need an Xbox One, and it's not something that was on top of my list. But guess what? The temporary holiday price cut, dropping it down to 350 not being forced into Kinect, uh, not to brag, but the, the, the white model, and packing it in with a game that I would actually want to try at the same price of 350 made me bite the bullet. 
Now, which bundle did you get? Got the Sunset Overdrive bundle. Oh, you jerk. And I worked the system a little bit on that, and I'll tell you what I did on the air because it wasn't illegal or bad. So the Sunset Overdrive bundles seem to have been selling rapidly. The uh, Xbox did the 349 price drop uh, the latter part of October, right after Sunset came out. And I noticed a lot of online retailers were starting to either pre-sale out or people were playing that game where they knew the price drop was coming, so the they were holding off on buying till that day. Right. But I had a feeling, I knew that Sunset Overdrive bundle was going to sell out because of the color. So I purchased it from Best Buy at the full price, knowing that after the price dropped, there's the 14-day window to get the price adjustment. Oh. And then I went back and just got it adjusted. And it was really the smart card to play. I'm not just saying that because they have literally been sold out since then, and I haven't seen any back in the store. So I paid the extra 50 bucks and then went back and price adjusted it thereafter uh, to get it before it sold out. Yeah. So um, that's that's kind of the story behind that. That, that white one's nice. That it, white it is. It's, I, I don't nice. want to take anything away from it. Beautiful white color, black trim. I like the look. I'm going to say something the same I said when the Xbox One was first announced and came out. I'll just come out and say it. The Xbox One visually seems like a fancified cable box. But I mean, couldn't you see the thing with like with like wood paneling on it, like wood paneling, silver finish, like 1970s kind of deck? Look you to it. with that color setup, yeah. Which that's not my taste. It's, in it's like it's it's. It's funny because you look at the PS4 and the PS4 just really has a slick design to it, especially because I have the white one, especially the white one. It has this almost kind of like this is like what a future console would look like, you know, and the Xbox one is literally just this giant box (laughs) that, yeah, it's like this could be any just cheap DVR you get from a cable company or something. You know what, though? Speaking of cheap, I don't actually feel the Xbox One feels cheap, and I need to be fair on another... No, no, no. Uh, I, I mean design-wise. But get, get ready for this. Uh, the the most asinine things I complained about. So I do like the look of the PlayStation 4. It's not my favorite PlayStation design, but really? I do like the PlayStation 4 look. It's pretty cool. I complained about the HDMI cable that came with that system right. uh, when it launched. And then also, we you know soon to forget... The the ports in the back are ever so slightly off a little. When you plug in that HDMI, sometimes you have to jiggle it a little or get it just in at the right angle. Uh, you remember there were some issues upon launch with that aspect, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I will give the Xbox One credit. While I don't like the fact that there are no USB ports up front, that's my one complaint, the components on the back... And the sturdiness of it reminded me years ago of when I got my Alienware laptop, which had numerous inputs and felt really high quality. I feel like the Xbox One from that design aspect is top-notch. The look of the console is nothing to write home about and nothing to brag about design-wise. But the actual quality of what's there in terms of sturdiness, I will give it a thumbs up. It doesn't feel cheap in that respect. Taking taking the look, the beauty away from it, just judging it on how it feels like the 
just the weight of it and the inputs in the back doesn't feel cheap. Hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. And and the one you got um, doesn't come with a connect, right? No connect. Yeah. Although even without connect, I'm still an owner of D4. <laughs> I haven't played that yet. I, I bought it. I like. I actually bought it. I wanted to support Swear with my money, but I have not. Well, I've put a couple hours in, and what what I like about it most, this is terrible. I love the visual style. No, yeah, it, it looks it looks really cool. Like it's got. Like, I nice can this is it. I can get more into this than Deadly Premonition. Speaking for myself, based off the visuals alone, that makes sense. Also, um, since we're on this topic, real quick, I haven't watched this show in six to eight months. For those out there, you can go and check out the NHK World online feed, internet feed in English from NHK Japan. And the reason I'm mentioning this uh, right now is today's episode was a special where they interviewed Sweary and were at his office and wow. discussing D4. That was today's episode we're recording here on 1125. So if you catch the latest or most recent episode of Imagination on NHK World, their stream, look for the repeat. You will see the D four episode. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um. So. Okay. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna totally masterfully segue this. Okay. So you mentioned Swery. Swery made Delia Premonition. Delia Premonition is set in a town very similar to the Pacific Northwest. You live in Portland. Is Portland the city that's having the big Juggalo war currently? Juggalo as in the ICP? Yes. Or is that Seattle? Am I getting you too confused? Uh, well, first off, I'm embarrassed that I'm even familiar with the ICP, Shaggy 2 Dope and Violent J. That, no, I got, I got nothing against them. I got nothing against them. Nothing but what, tell me, what the only thing I know about the, uh, the Juggalos these days is I know they still run that independent Juggalo Championship Wrestling, and I know they're yes. big wrestling fanatics. Uh, no, so there were there, I, it's either Seattle or Portland where there's like some – area like in the northern edge of the city where i guess there's a big juggalo contingent living there um and the hipsters are moving in and gentrifying the area and the juggalos are mad oh i see what you're saying like they have the the cool the hit the modern day hipsters moving into their territory yeah so it's like the hipsters versus the juggalos uh, to that i say thank god I gotta, I gotta, I wonder, like, where was I this? Can't, I can't really dog the ICP too much because they're such hardcore wrestling fans and they know what they're talking about in that respect. Oops. But. No, you know, like, like but whatever, whatever music people were into. Uh, yeah, it's Portland. It is Portland. Yeah, it's Portland Turf War, it says. I will, I will tell you what it says. Um, I guess you have a, a TV station called Coin. Coin yeah, 6. Yeah, Coin 6. Yes. Uh, there's a trendy area in northern Portland. Um. And there, people are getting notes that have the two uh, ICP faces on it. It says, you've been targeted by the Juggalo family to get the blank out. Vacate our blank. Oh, I'm sorry. Vacate or blank our blank. So I don't even know what they say because they just black it out. So I guess like, yes, I guess like the hipsters are moving in. The Juggalos aren't happy. Somewhere in, in, in the northern edge of Portland. It says, um... North Williams Street, wherever mm. that's at. So, mm. so be careful. And if you go up to northern Portland, don't don't get in the middle of no turf war. The juggalos and the or if you effect. do, if you do, make sure you're buying some ICP when you're driving the area. You know you'll be okay. 
I'll give them a great mood of Shining Wizard when I see them. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, I have only have... only in Portland. I do know there's a big pirate contingent in Portland. Now wait, are you meaning like software pirates or are uh, pirates? No, like arg me mighty, like like get how do you have, the how do you, uh, how, like how do you have pirates? <laughs> like, I mean, like like Somali pirates? No, I mean, like I, I guess the proper term would be kind of like to cosplay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Can so you are, they, are, they, are they like like warpers or something? Uh, you know, I was actually at a sh- not because I'm into it, but I, I don't know how I got mixed up in it. A couple years ago, I was with uh, Neil, and we were at some gathering downtown, and and anyway, the the spot we were in, there was like this big party, and everyone was dressed up in like pirate attire. Yeah, how, only in Portland. Uh, only in Portland can you see something like that, as well as the cool voodoo donuts. Hmm. Some of the craziest donut I've heard concoctions. About that. Yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah, it's, Portland has a lot. You know, there's a saying like "keep Portland weird." Now, see, I know that's. I was gonna say what, what, I, what I've heard, what I've what I've been told about Portland is that, um, if you come into Portland, you can kind of be like whatever whatever you are, and they don't care. But if you try to change Portland, then they get mad at you. <laughs> like it was that the guy. Um, like the not the Reddit guy, some 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 guy moved in into a historic house and he was gonna like change it, and they got mad at him. Oh yeah, like they don't like that. Yeah, they don't like that ch- type of change. They like yeah. to kind of keep things the way That's they what are. I've heard about Portland, kind of free spirits. Yeah. You know, I will say this: I usually don't get sentimental about cities or or that type of thing or sports teams, but I, I have to tell you, I've been here in Portland now for you know, about twenty three years. And, uh, I, you know, I'm not the type of person, I don't like to use the word love unless it's something I'm so passionate about or a person I really care about. But, you know, I think I would say I do love Portland. There are some things I don't like or some things weather-wise that I'm not a fan of. But Now, now what, know, what, what about the weather do you not like? Um, it's not even so much the rain because while we do get an abundance of rain, it's more the overcast. It's not even so much the rain that's tough at times. Now, here's the thing. Luckily, I'm a homebody, and, like, I love my electronics, and I've always been, you know, everyone knows I'm into gaming and anime. So, like, I feel like I can get through it a lot better than a lot of other people. But if you're someone that's got to be out or in that sun or, you know, it's it can be rough. I would rather take what I've got than an abundance of snow or like what Buffalo got hit with recently. I, they can keep that. Oh, I love that kind of stuff. But on on the bright end of things, there's a trade-off. You survive the darkness of Castlevania for seven, eight <laughs> months, and the summers are gorgeous and green and vibrant. So when the summer comes, people are like, ah, that's where the beauty in Oregon comes. Because of you know that rain pays off, so to speak. Yeah, see, I'm I'm really weird because like sunny days depress me, <laughs> and then like cloudy days, I'm happy. So I'm like the complete oh, opposite. Oh, you would be. So I yeah, I, I don't know why I'm living in Los Angeles. You would be <laughs> loving life, and, and I tell you, and I don't know how this is possible. On paper, I've heard that Seattle gets even more rain than us. Every time I've been to Seattle, it's it's it's, it's rained. 
Like every, yeah, I can't even time. fathom them so. getting more rain than us. But I tell you, if cloudy and darkness makes you happy, you are not living life right right now. No, I don't. I, yeah, it makes no sense that I'm in Los Angeles, <laughs> except for that everything is here. So, <laughs> yeah, I think I think you'd get a kick out of it, you know. But I'm such a homebody, and and uh, you know, I live within the confinements of my four walls in my apartment. But you know, I do like the people, and I, you know, I could, I could actually talk about Portland for a while. I'm sure I don't know if that's what listeners want to hear, but. Portland's uh, all things considered a clean city. I'll do a quick plug on Portland. I do like the free spirit nature. Anywhere you go, you're going to get some butt heads, so to speak. So Portland is not perfect. You're always going to have some conflicts somewhere down the line. But overall, and in, in, in the area I live in, uh, I would definitely give it a thumbs up. There are some things I don't miss from your normal big cities. And uh, I've become spoiled by certain things in Portland. Um, I was also going to tell you because uh, as of our recording this, it's not up yet, but it will be up by the time you hear this. So we did a our first DLC episode, and I'm not going to spoil it in case you haven't listened to it yet. So you'll have to listen to it and see what it's about and everything. But we did a DLC episode, and Anthony today is like, "Why the hell is it not up yet, you lazy bum? You know, put it up so people can download it." So I, 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 told, I told you recently that I've been doing kind of a number of reviews. And I just want to, I just wanna, I, and I'm not complaining about this at all, but I just want you to get an idea of what my recent life has been. So in the past five weeks, I have done seven reviews. I had, I had a review go up October 14th, October 24th, October 27th, November 3rd, November 17th, November 18th, November 24th. So that, that's that that's been my life recently and i calculated and you know people will say okay you put up a review right like you know a couple hundred words whatever i among those seven reviews i ended up at almost twelve thousand words are you trying out to write the new script for the new I, metal I gear like, like the longest the longest one with my Persona Q review. I, it had to be. I, I was going to do a nice plug for you on that right now, but I was going to say it had to be the Persona Q review. Yeah, which ended up being 2,473 words. Wow. I mean, that was like an old school play. I don't want to plug the wrong magazine, but that was like an old school style. No, we actually we actually had an argument about it because uh, a few people on staff were like, we think this is too niche of a review. But I love that. I, and I know, and that's kind of like what you know. I think I think we want to like kind of see going forward, like how we want to do reviews. Because my argument was, if you go to like most other outlets, right, you're going to get kind of these these just skimming the surface reviews for the, for this game. So why why should I just throw another one of those kind of reviews in the pile? You know, if I'm going to do a review at this point, I should do something that's going to be a lot more worthwhile. And that's why I kind of did the review I did. And that, that that's like like you said with play. I mean, it's funny because I think I think that was a very play style of right. review, and I kind of miss like those reviews. You know, I, th- I think that if you're going to put a review out there, there has to be like a reason for it to be there. Watch this. Watch watch how good I am. Uh, if they want something more mainstream, I'll give you my Famitsu style review of uh, Persona Q, which I picked up today and I haven't even played yet. Oh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, check out Persona Q uh, exclusive on the 3DS. Uh, merges the worlds of P3 and P4 in this Etrian Odyssey-esque dungeon crawler adventure that you don't want to miss. It's a definite thumbs up, and you want to pick it up over 60 hours of gameplay. I'm done. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I just, all that time you wasted, 
I just got it done in about 45 seconds. I know. But, I, that, but I all jokes aside, that's the difference. Like, if, And I've never done this in all honesty. I could fake my way through a review like that if I had to from the back of the box, and ex- which is such a lie and horrible thing, having never touched the game. But that's the difference between your review on egmnow.com for Persona Q uh, versus a lot of the other guys. And I'm not saying the other guys lied or didn't play it. But when you get into that depth of detail, that truly shows that you played it and know what you're talking about versus the, the review that I just gave. Well, and, and I, I don't, I don't want to call anybody out, but I was looking through some of the other reviews out there for the game, and there were like one or two where I noticed things that made me be like, hmm. Like, did they really go through this, uh, the whole nine yards? Just, or? I mean, it's, it, would be, it would be like, uh, like, I don't even know, but it would, it would be just something like where like, yeah, you know, in, as you do like a Bayonetta 2 review, and like, yeah, Bayonetta 2 is great. Uh, um, Bayonetta's back and and her her long flowing hair, uh, you know, does this or that. Where you're like, wait, she has short hair this time around. Oh, really? You've caught that? Just like a few, like I know this was a few weird right. little things like, like that. Little... Where where I'm just kind of like, wait, did did we play the same game? Because you're saying something that's in review that I just doesn't make sense to me. I could actually call everyone out on Bayonetta too because I'm actually uh, qualified to discuss that title as I recently completed it. Yes, so so uh, that was one of my reviews, uh, and I talked about last show, but now you have played it, so what did you think? So once again, let's get one more plug in there for Shidoshi. Go to egmnow.com for everything we're talking about review-wise. So he does it professionally, whereas I do it uh, straight from the hip. <laughs> but uh, yeah, check out Persona Q, the Bayonetta 2, wonderful reviews. Now, as for myself, um, I always feel like I'm the Bayonetta cheerleader because I boasted about that game for quite some time, and I boasted about it so much that I started to second-guess myself. Like, boy, am I just talking about this game so much? Do I really believe that this game is that good after having bragged about it for years? Like, am I overdoing it? And and, and what, what, just real quick, what's funny is I think I kind of felt the same way going into this game because you almost you almost do forget like how good the first one was. And, and you don't really remember that or appreciate that until you started playing the second one. Yes, uh, agreed. And I will, I will say, you know, playing Bayonetta 2, for those that have experience with the first one, it's like riding a bike. Uh, you, you pick it back up rather quickly. I need to make something very clear, and I'm not making excuses. Bayonetta 2 is definitely worth the money, especially since you get the original Bayonetta on Wii U. I mean, so no question. It's at the top of its game, the top echelon of over-the-top action titles. I would go as far as to say, because I'm sure we're probably not going to do a Game of the Year episode. I don't have any issues with giving Bayonetta 2 action Game of the Year. Mm -hmm. My issue is, is if if my back was to the wall, would I give Bayonetta 2 overall Game of the Year? That's where i got to sit down and think about it. Now... I actually feel, even though I bought a truckload of games this year, I really don't think 2014 was that strong. Um, here we go back to this term again. In terms of new titles, I feel like 2014 was strong on HD remasters. There's been a lot of content and great titles to revisit. Everything from Tomb Raider to Grand Theft Auto V to the Halo Collection 
to The Last of Us. These are some of the greatest games in all of gaming. So how can I say 2014 was weak? Well, when it comes to new properties or full-blown sequels that are worthy of that title, I really don't think there are many. The odd thing is, I think Bayonetta 2 would be a contender for Game of the Year because this year's list is so short, in my opinion. The real question for me is, is Bayonetta 2 as good or better than the first? That's the real question. And I think, uh, you know, before before you say your opinion, I think... So when when I, I had this problem when I played Persona 4, you know, for the first time. Because when I played Persona 3, I mean, it was not the first Persona game, obviously. But it was this entirely new experience. And so it almost felt like a brand new franchise. And when I played Persona 3, I was like, man, this is one of the most just amazing, enjoyable RPGs I've played in just as long as I can remember. And when Persona 4 came out, that that kind of freshness, that kind of going in with, with completely innocent eyes, you know, that total in, inexperience, like, you couldn't, you couldn't have that anymore, you know? And I, I don't I don't I, I don't know if I want to really say this comparison, but it's almost kind of like having sex, right? Like your your first time, as long as you do it right, you know, like no matter what happens, it's going to be this amazing thing to you because you you haven't done this before, you know, you haven't had that, that kind of experience with somebody else. Um, so it's very easy, I think, for the second time to be like, yeah, this was good, but it wasn't as good as the first time around. You know what I mean? So I I kind of when I played Persona 4, I felt that way. And it took me a long time to get over that feeling and, and come to accept that Persona 4 was actually the better game. I, I still don't know which one I think I like better. I think overall Bayonetta 2 is the better game, but I had problems just getting past the first one because of just how much I fell in love with it when it came out. Before I continue my piece on Bayonetta 2, I will say if gaming were like my sex life, <laughs> that somewhere around installment 37 would be uh, the finest hour for Bayonetta. <laughs> so like if Bayonetta gets to like part 20 or 30, <laughs> we, we are in for a ride. So um, once again, I'm going to say it one last time. Bayonetta 2, totally worth it. Wii U owners, go out and get it. Bayonetta 2 is still atop its class for pure action. It still has phenomenal control. None of that has changed. What I'm going to get into, in my opinion, I'm going to just come out and say this. If I had to pick one, and I could, and I absolutely had to do it with a gun to my head, and I only get Bayonetta 1 or Bayonetta 2, I'm taking Bayonetta 1. One of Man, the... I don't know. One of the things I think that one of the biggest differences for me, and I'm not trying to remember in my if if we go into this with the mindset of Bayonetta one being a ten, and if I'm knocking Bayonetta two a little, like putting it somewhere around a nine, I mean we're comparing two fine pieces of work. It's not like we're going here from some. I mean we're talking about the best of the best. Okay. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's the thing with, with 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 me with like Dark Souls two. I mean, I have a lot of complaints about Dark Souls two, but I still think it's a better game than most other games like it out there. So I think it's whenever whenever a game gets so good, you, you know, 
I think you get more critical of it, but you also have to remind people that, you know, it's still way beyond most other things you're going to play. Right. Now, first thing for me, and I don't think this was in any reviews that I read, and maybe I'm crazy. One thing that I felt was not on par with the first one were the boss battles. Really? Yeah. I thought the, I thought the boss battles in the first one were like, I felt like in the first one, for the most part, you couldn't really wing your way through some of those boss battles until you really got some of the patterns down or learned the ins and outs of certain aspects. Like, I mean, there was some stuff that was like so memorable for me or like, and Cap, not to jump around, but like Capcom was so good with some of their boss battles in the Devil May Cry series. And we know Platinum was behind this, formerly Clover. So, like, you could see some of that influence. Like, the boss battles and stuff were so good. And this is such a big point to make because a lot of Bayonetta is focused around intense, numerous boss battles. And on another aside, whenever I see a lot of boss battles in a single game, I feel that award for the innovator of who did that in gaming was treasure. Yeah. So, like, whenever I see a game taking that path of, like, hey, we're going to do boss battle after boss battle, I always think of treasure. Like, I think of that as a staple for them. So, when I see someone else doing it, I'm like, well, you better be be good. Because if you're going to keep introducing these boss battles, there better be something special about them. Like, I felt like you could get away with a few patterns like a few combinations here and there to wing your way through without fully updating yourself which is completely fine because like Bayonetta 1 there is a ton of replay value and like I don't even have a fraction of the items available and I completed that game yeah so, and, and yeah and I also think too is kind of to what you're saying that one of the things I, I actually appreciated and maybe I like this actually maybe this one reason why I, maybe I liked Bayonetta 2 a little bit more in some ways was I felt like it was a little bit easier to get through the game, but... It was. That's but, a yes. Yes, yes. But um, it was a kind of game where getting through it isn't the point. Kind of going back to those battles and really perfecting them is is when you've gotten through the game. You know, like, like just getting to the end and seeing the ending wasn't that hard, I didn't think, but... It's really not about that. It's it's about you know what what score, what award you got on each on each section of that game. From that perspective, in terms of perfecting your play, I completely agree with it. So, in case listeners are wondering, I was nowhere near gold or platinuming that game, so to speak. I was middle tier at best. So, totally on the same page there. Uh, you know, visually as has has been seen in some reviews, you know. The backgrounds use more complex geometry. But all, all of that aside, visuals aside, we're talking about the, the controlling gameplay, which is still there. But I'm getting into some other things that you may not see in your, your in, in a lot of reviews out there. Let me also ask you this, and I'm going to embarrass myself because I don't have his name in front of me. What was the name of the secondary character that... Uh, Loki? Yeah. Well, what's your feeling on that? Um, I, I didn't... I You know... Um child characters are always a very questionable thing as are uh kind of like just characters that are following you around in places 
but I actually never really minded him. Like, like he didn't really bother me. It was, you know, I, I think it would have been worse had they stuck her with him the entire game and it would have felt like just a complete story about babysitting, you know? Right. I think he was gone enough that I still feel like it was her story. Yes. So, so I don't know. Like, I, I didn't, he didn't bother me. And, but I think that if he did bother you, I can definitely see why you would prefer the first one. Yeah, and it was by no means a, what would be called a game breaker. It was just one of those things I'm like, you know, I would have been just fine going through as Bayonetta herself. Right. Um, also, I, I did you feel like yeah. y- your surroundings, like you were in hell a really long time, like... They had the beautiful, like, European-style setting for a chunk of the game. And then... And it's really not giving too much away, but, like... And then you were in hell for what I felt yeah. like was... No, that that was one, that was one of my complaints about the game was... I There was a certain point where I felt like kind of the world design took a dive for, for a while. And then you got back to it being interesting again. But there was different kind of a, of a, a section of the game where it was just like, eh, this is not really interesting and i really kind of did think that they could have done you know as as interesting as so many of the elements of that game are like i'm surprised that hell kind of just was as boring as it was at times well i kind of couldn't believe how much they stretched it out yeah like that set that setting and i'm not you know i I don't know and and we're just getting down to visual nuances here it's not like this really affected gameplay whatever but i'm just talking about like what you're looking at yeah, no, it, it it felt like it was a weird feeling of kind of being stuck in one place for a long time and um, areas that felt a lot like areas you'd seen in the first game. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. How did I forget? So I, yes. I, I, I do think it almost in a way does kind of remind me of the Dark Souls 2 complaint is where just you, I, you feel like the world building is not nearly as interesting as it was the first time around. Maybe getting a little bit of a free pass on reusing assets possibly. Yeah, and I don't even know if that's that, but yeah, I don't know what it was. But I, I do, I do kind of just going back from memory. I feel like the first game had you going to way more places and seeing way more different kinds of locations than this one did. But I, I, I would say if I have one real complaint about this series, it's that maybe Platinum doesn't know what to do with the kind of like where to take Bayonetta, like what what kind of situations to put her in. You know, right. and, I, and I think with with as as crazy as the the Paradiso and Inferno aspects are, I think you could do much more interesting locations and much more interesting settings. Right. Um, but at the same time, there were some scenes that were just really, really awesome uh, when combined with what was going on. And if we're talking about a gameplay level. You know, there were the Umbring Climaxes, which I didn't even realize at first were new to the game because they just felt to me like they were so so integral to, to this, this gameplay that they just seemed to me like they'd always been there. And so when I realized that they, they weren't in the first game, like that to me was just an example of where I thought the gameplay had been polished a lot mm. more compared to the first game. Mm. Well, I... You know, the the only other thing I would say to get off my chest is I felt 
would you agree with me in that I felt there were more references to other titles which made Bayonetta so unique in the original versus the second? With the exception of the fan service given by the exclusive Nintendo costumes, which are completely heavy on references and fan services, like whether it be through the coins of Mario, certain sound effects, uh, rupees, etc., etc. I'm talking just the standard game itself. Uh, there was one really big reference to another classic title towards the end, which will remain nameless. So there I was, was actually, I was actually surprised by how many Sega references there still were in the game. Yeah, yeah, there, yes, there were. Yeah. I, it's just that I think the first one was so heavy on Sega and Capcom references, it was crazy. Yeah, I, I think I think the case was just that that because Ban has gone through such a weird mix of ownership, right? Then maybe that's kind of what it was, you know. And okay. Is it a Sega game? Because it's it's weird. It's so weird that you know. I mean, thinking back to how we would have seen this in our younger days, um, it's so weird. This is almost like half Sega, half Nintendo game. Yeah. Well, I guess kind of another historic moment. Like I, we know Sonic and Mario have technically crossed over, but like at the start right. of this game, they do the what is it? The platinum logo, and then you see Sega, and I believe what they have the little Sonic. Don't they have? Don't they have little Hedgehog? And then they have Mario. The little. Eight-bit-looking Mario. Uh, Do they really? I don't. I don't really I, 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 I'm a hundred percent sure you see at the start wow. of the game where you see Nintendo's logo. They have the little eight-bit Mars tiny Mario. Hmm. Uh, you know the sprite. Hmm. Yeah, I so, completely don't remember that. Yeah, so that's crazy. You know what I mean? To to see that come together, that is a unique aspect. But but not to beat up on it here for fifteen minutes. I think the reason I wanted to make these points is. These are points that you might not see elsewhere or all of the time, and the game is still definitely excellent. But uh, I, I feel like I would welcome a Bayonetta three. But going to echo something you said, they need to. They would need to introduce some new elements or know better what to do with her. They can completely get away with what they've done with the sequel because it's technically on a new platform a new audience that may not have experienced any of Bayonetta you get it in the wonderful double pack so this is all justifiable this second round but if they do a Bayonetta 3 they won't be able to do what they've done a third time exactly and expect that 10 again no I don't think they pick 10 again but I don't I don't know that I have a lot of demands on part 3 because when I when I played Bayonetta 2 and remembered how much I love this game and its gameplay. Like, I was just so satisfied playing it that I I could play a third game that even had similar settings again. You know, if it was if it was new bosses and and new ideas and and some you know a few new powers here and there and stuff like that. Because I just had so much fun playing this game, and and I just I it just it's it controls and plays so much better than ninety nine percent of the games out there that. It's it's hard to go back to. It's like it's like after I played Dark Souls, the first one, it was so hard to go back to other games, adventure games after that. <laughs> All right. Just because that to me was so good that I would just play the games and be like, I, I'm complaining about this and that and you know whatever. Um, because I mean, God, I I played Bayonetta two, and then I played a game that was nowhere near as good as Bayonetta two right right after it, and it made it really tough to review that <laughs> that game. Let me ask you this before we move away from the Bayonetta topic. This is opinion. I, look, big fan of it. Love the game. There's no issues there with me. But when you discuss this game with other people, 
like whether it be people in your life or other gamers you know that may not have experienced it and maybe aren't as quote hardcore as you and I or as open-minded to certain things do you feel that Bayonetta from a character design point and I'm not talking about Bayonetta and Gene I'm talking about the enemies primarily the design the world design do you feel it's a tough sell it's so wicked like I, I really like the style it's a real wicked different take on like the angels and demons and it's 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 really stand out but I also feel like even the logo and just look at the design of the enemies I feel like it's a real tough it's a real tough one to get over on people see I feel like I feel like the complaints I've heard have been more gameplay directed not style directed because I, I I know people even at work who just did not give a damn about Bayonetta the first one. What? Why is that? What they do just you mean? didn't care. They just didn't. They did not. They did not understand like what was fun about it. And they played it. Yeah. Well, how could? Because I think, but no, I said I. I think I think it's it's, you know, a, a good comparison I might make is trying to sell somebody on Mortal Kombat versus trying to sell somebody on Virtua Fighter. Right, because Virtual Fighter is all about the technique and all about that depth in in gameplay, whereas Mortal Kombat is just a, a fun, flashy jump in and and do uppercuts and 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 leg sweeps and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So I, I think people just like didn't understand why Bayonetta was fun because they weren't getting into the real depth of it. it I think it's I think it's a certain kind of person that has to be into this game. Just like it's a certain kind of person that has to be into real fighting games. Just like it has to be a certain kind of person that is into, like, bullet hell shooters, you know. I think ex- explaining why a bullet hell shooter is fun to people who don't get them and don't play them is nearly impossible. Do you want me to, do you want me to say something on this show that's potentially so controversial and going <laughs> to open up a portal of destruction? Sure. Do you feel, and I don't have the quote in front of me or the article, and this was years ago when I read this, so don't take this word for word, and this is for the audience as well. From a marketing business perspective, taking out the game playing, the fun aspect of what you and I do, do you think to an extent Capcom was right for not wanting to market an over-the-top action game with a female lead versus a male? I, I, uh, I, I, I love female uh, like like Bayonetta or just uh, like Lara Croft for for most of like currently especially like I personally I always love female leads but I also think that may stem from my anime watching and love for like Masamune Shiro's work like Ghost like he always had female leads in Apple Seed and Ghost in the Shell so like right. I'm used to that and I love that but speaking for the masses and and just the way things are to, like for certain genres maybe I mean. I I think I think I think Bayonetta is not the kind of game that is hurt at all by having a, a female lead. I, I really don't like. I I think it's just I think it's part of just because when you see it, it's everything is so over the top and so stylish and everything that I think just seeing a few you know just seeing one trailer of the game and seeing how she acts like I do not think she's a liability to it. So. Mm. So out of all the games I could think of where Capcom might say, man, we really don't want... You know, like, okay, Bionic Commando, right? If they did the rearmed version and they're like, let's make it a female lead instead. I could see that. I could see Strider trying to have a female Strider as, as, as the main character. You know, I could see them not wanting to do that. 
Um, but I mean, you know, you, you look and the, their next major Resident Evil release has two female characters in the lead. I guess that's true. I didn't look and, at it that way. And, and no males. Hmm. So I, I think I think there's certain genres where that's never going to be like, like horror games. I think I think having female leads is never going to be a negative to a horror game. I, I think a game like this having a female lead is never going to really be a detriment. If it was more of you know if it was a third person shooter now that would be completely different. You know, and I could I could see where they would say, well, we really don't want to push this with this kind of character. Mm. Um. You know, unless you're unless your name's Laura Croft, you know, right? But I I don't at all think that, that Bayonetta was any kind of liability to the game. I I think it was more Capcom. Maybe at that point, you know, was right. was just like we just don't need these crazy wacky games that we have to spend millions of dollars on ads to explain to people what it is, right? Because Bayonetta is a really hard game to explain, you know, if you're not already a fan of it, right? Which is one of the reasons I was always surprised that Nintendo picked it up because it's. I feel like I feel like that is Nintendo's one thing where they can always be like, "This was a gift to the gamers." No, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that's, you know something I didn't touch on in that. I, I'll tell you what: in the first ten minutes of that game, language-wise, and I won't do any quotes or repeat it. If anyone has any doubt, I will give Nintendo a ten out of ten on this. If anyone thinks that Nintendo had any influence in watering down the dialogue or the mature factor of what has been set in the Bayonetta universe, like if they think they scaled it back for this or kind of pointed their finger at anything to change anything, as a matter of fact, I felt they made this even more crazy in terms of dialogue and whatnot, especially on a Nintendo platform. So this is the one time in Nintendo's company history that they can look at how they diversified their catalog and left a mature title completely alone and they helped, they funded it. So this is the one time when anyone goes in their face and they're like, well, you didn't give this a shot or you didn't give gamers the opportunity to leave this project alone. Till the day that that company dies, they can always point to Bayonetta 2. I'll give them that. Yep. And I want to say one, one last thing was, um, you know, in our discussion of which one's better, Bayonetta 1 or Bayonetta 2, that's kind of the beauty of this release is that it doesn't matter which one's better because you're going to both at the exact same time. That's that's the fallback plan. That's I you was know. discussing uh, with a potential Wii U owner recently. I said, look, I said, no matter what I say, I said, the bright side of this is you get both. Yeah, you get both. So it, does, it, does, it doesn't matter which one's better in, at, its, at a certain level. I, you know what I mean? Like... I, I did a review of only Bayonetta 2 because that's the game that was new and that's the game I needed to review. But because you're getting both in the same package, it just doesn't matter which one's better. You're going you're gonna to enjoy both, and at the end of the day, you can just pick whichever one because you're not making a choice. You know, you're not, you're not, there was absolutely no choice on your part here except for which one you play first. So whichever one you prefer, you're, you're still exactly where you were at the beginning. So... So, yeah. So go and you got a Wii U. Go and check it out, and check it out on Black Friday. Maybe get it on a deal. But what you're gonna also get on Black Friday, uh, as we talked about a little bit earlier, um, you know, Xbox One has their bundles, uh, but but Sony is doing their own bundle for for the Black Fridays. 
for three ninety nine, I think it is, you get GTA five and The Last of Us remastered. That's an amazing deal. Yeah. Not 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 a bad deal. Uh, for someone new to you know what I mean, like someone looking for a new console, maybe that doesn't buy you know what I mean, doesn't buy everything yeah. that comes out when I make a statement like that, like to get like two game of the year award winners. Right yeah, that's the thing. The I mean, like, like they're, they're neither one's a new game, but they're still like some of the the best choices you could have right now. Um, but but twenty years ago, on Black Friday, twenty years ago, they weren't buying PS4s. <laughs> they well, been buying PS1s. That is twenty. Let's and just for our uh, crazy fan base, that would be. Uh, in Japan, December of 1994. Which, which, yeah, they don't really have Black Fridays there. Yeah, but um, uh, and 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 to to clarify, to fix my team I just made, they wouldn't have been buying PS ones; they would have been buying Playstations, <laughs> or as 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 the as the in the know called them, the PSX. Ah, yes, which I which I'm still guilty of referring it to uh, as oh, as no. so. To this day, I call it the PSX. <laughs> Which is throwing me off because everybody's calling the, the upcoming PlayStation Experience event. They're calling that PSX, which keeps confusing me. <laughs> well, so yeah, so it is true. There, there is a birthday that exists that's even more important than mine. December 3rd, 1994 was the official birth of the original PlayStation console. So I figured that was uh, warranting some discussion here on the latest GVGP episode. Uh, we just got done gushing about Sega on our last episode, and I have a different angle for this per se. You know, uh, I love reminiscing about what coulda, shoulda happened with Sega, uh, how they should still be in the game, uh, how they they have a special spot in my gaming heart. <coughs> the reality of it is, though, uh, in life, Shidoshi, there's winners and there's losers, and while Sega came up a loser. PlayStation certainly came out a winner for many years. Uh, and a system, I really had to think back on how I really felt about the original PlayStation when I saw previews and magazine uh, articles on it. And there was a lot of uncertainty. And I'm going to be honest, it's, you know, it's easy to see right now and to be like, you know, Sony's been on top for so long. They've had so much success. Who didn't see that coming? Well, you know, when I saw the stuff on the PlayStation 1, I didn't believe in it. I thought the controller looked kind of interesting. I thought the design of the console was kind of cool. I knew it was coming from Japan, uh, you know, and I always had a, a spot for Japanese products, but I, it was really wait and see, and I didn't believe in it. Well, I yeah, and I think part of what explains that is if we set up, you know, the, the leading up to the original PlayStation, um, and... I, you know, I, I thought I knew where I was going to start, but I, I guess, I mean, do we talk about, like, really how the PlayStation came to be, you know, through well, the, whole, the whole Nintendo We can refresh, thing? you know, um, you know, we can certainly discuss it. I feel like it's a story that's been done time time and time again, but, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, just give give the, just a real quick synopsis of, like, what, what happened there. Early 90s. You know, Nintendo was looking for a CD add-on attachment for their Super Nintendo slash Super Famicom console, looking to get into a field that had already been dabbled in by the likes of NEC and Sega, respectively. 
and the deal was pretty much set in place. Announcements were made. Uh, the Sony PlayStation was going to be the CD add-on for the SNES for those that still have old-school model SNESs at home while listening to this. You can look on the underside of your console and there's a, a port, a spot you can pop, and that was the spot where the attachment of the CD add-on was to go. Yet, as history would have it, the course of gaming history was changed where while Sony was in bed with Nintendo one day, Nintendo went behind their backs and re-signed a new deal with Philips for their CDI player. So um, Sony certainly had the experience at the time in terms of like the music, the CD technology, uh, you know, maybe even a bit of the hardware perspective. Their footing in terms of actual raw gaming was very limited, uh, and they certainly did not have a base to stand on, whereas Nintendo was the granddaddy of exclusives and properties. But uh, there was, you know, it, it was essentially the like World War III in the Sony offices. A lot of pride was hurt. The PlayStation project was underway. And instead of ceasing uh, operations on it, they pushed forward with uh, their own console in the PlayStation and entered the gaming war. In 1994, with a fully realized CD, a 32-bit product, which was a powerhouse in terms of 3D graphics and gaming. And the rest is history. Yeah, and, and let me say that real quick because, you know, for people who, who are younger and maybe don't, don't know the full history. So, you know, you go back to kind of the video game crash, you know, that happened during the, the Atari 2600 5200 kind of era um and you know part of the reason that like the the crash happened was because you had so many companies who didn't know about gaming making games but also because you had so many companies who didn't know them about game making hardware um and when that happened you know it was almost kind of like a reset button you know that the slate was kind of cleaned completely and gaming was kind of reborn and from that, you know, Atari stuck around, uh, but they were, you know, Atari was a game company. I mean, this was a company that had a long, you know, and respected history in gaming. You suddenly had Nintendo come in, a company that had a respected and decently length history in gaming, you know, when it comes to arcade games and, and, and Game and & Watch and things like that. You have Sega show up who, of course, has a long and semi... I mean, a semi-long and respected history in gaming. I mean, Sega's arcade credentials at that point, you know, spoke for themselves. And you have, at a certain point, the Turbo Graphics come along, the, you know, the combination of NEC, this Japanese PC maker, and Hudson Soft, a, another major player in the gaming in Japan. So, so once you know, once that crash happened, the the players in gaming were really game companies. You know, these were companies who knew gaming, who loved gaming, who made games, and they were the ones in control of the hardware at that point. So, you know, S Sony was really. Like I said, it, you, you, can't, you can't say they, they started it because back in the earlier days, you had Magnavox and other electronics companies kind of trying to get their hand in the video game market. 
But Sony was really the company to bring back that idea. The idea that it could be an electronics company, not a game company that would bring out a console. And up until that point, I mean, you you had other other options like of course you had TurboGrafx 16 but I, I don't you know the all love for the turbo it was never really a contender you had the neo geo wasn't really a contender you had kind of this idea that there was this duality to the games market you know if there was one console or the other you had two main choices and this was going to be the first time that three choices could be real but it's it's funny to think about now, but there was a lot of doubt that Sony could pull this off because they they were Sony, you know they they made Walkman, they made televisions, they made transistor radios, you know this wasn't the company that knew about gaming. And I want to read a few games. Um, so Sony had a publishing division, uh, Sony ImageSoft. So just to, just to set up where they were at this point, let me read out some of the games that they published. They had uh, Three Ninjas Kick Back. Oh, Bram, yeah, classic. Uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm. The, the, the wonderful, uh, based on the theatrical hit Cliffhanger. They had the NES version of Dragon's Lair. <laughs> um, the, the, the popular side-scrolling adventure game Flink for uh, the Mega Drive. Uh, oh, oh! This is a great Sega CD classic, Ground Zero, Texas. Oh, a game that I actually did own. Mm. Um, oh, oh! Uh, two, two more, two more wonderful. Oh, I'm sorry, three more wonderful uh, uh, movie to game translations. They had Hudson Hawk, Last Action Hero, and Johnny Mnemonic. So all of which I would put under the genre of garbage. <laughs> uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Uh, Sewer Shark and uh, Smart Ball for the uh, Super Nintendo. So, so th- th- this was the company. Like, like you think of Sony these days, and you think of The Last of Us. You think of Injustice. You know, you you, you think of um, Crash uh, Bandicoot and Tekken. Yes, those uh, and Gravity Rush and uh, Ico and Shadow of the Colossus and all these great games. But back then. Like Sony was a joke. Sony, Sony was a real, a real joke. I mean, they, they were they were a shovelware company in the in, in the market, basically. And right. so, when it was revealed that Sony was going to brand a system, it was very hard to take it seriously. I, I I think, and it was like, you know, and I want to see if you felt the same way. But to me, it was almost kind of like, um, they were invader. Right, you know, like like this was our market, this was our hobby. Uh, you know, we had Nintendo, we had Sega, we had uh, Hudson. You know, we had these companies that actually cared about games, and all of a sudden, this this electronics company that really didn't know about gaming wanted into our turf and wanted our money. Yes, uh, I would concur with that. I, I would also say at that time, you know, having a little bit more knowledge of games, while I just got done saying I didn't believe in it, I, I at that point before it came out, I really didn't. I, I was very skeptical. But the one thing you could start to see where they were kind of picking up, se- uh, picking up steam, excuse me, behind the scenes was 
if anyone, and it still holds true today. They were garnering a lot of third-party support. Yeah, and, and, and to be fair, that, I mean, yeah, I was kind of more like before any of the real details started coming out. But I think once once things start rolling along, what you're saying happens. Well, and, and it's one of those things, even with that, I wasn't saying like, okay, I'm overnight, I'm a believer. But when you started to see in the magazines like who signed on or who was going to support it, that's what made me keep my eye on it at least. Because you're like, well, if all these companies, you know, because you know the, the, the name of the game. If you, usually the one with the most support usually winds up on top because you're going to get the most games, the most diversity. And I don't want to jump too far ahead, but if I had to summarize this, if I had to sum up PlayStation in one sentence, I was thinking about this. The best way I could put it is the original Sony PlayStation became the new NES. I mean, just, and that's my statement. I mean, literally, there was the Nintendo that everyone remembers fondly of the 80s, and everyone's like, oh, I used to have a Nintendo. And Well, when the 90s hit, and the tide changed. Everyone had a PlayStation, and, and the main reason for that was because of all the support. And look at all of the support that NES had, and how we got this. We were discussing on our last episode how Sega and NEC had such trouble at that time with Nintendo's contracts, and that was a little different. A lot of this came down to the medium of the CD, the extra storage space, the cheaper manufacturing cost, and really good hardware. So that aspect was different, but the PlayStation just literally overnight with the power of the console, the proper pricing at the time. And, and I know in my opinion, even though I wasn't a junkie for this company, I'm going to mention when I knew they meant business and everyone else was in trouble is when Final Fantasy VII went to PlayStation. That was the real deal. Now, see, when you when you were looking for the words to describe the PlayStation, um, I thought you were going to use a famous quote from Next Generation magazine uh, from a developer whose name I forget now, uh, where they compared the system to a honey-dipped Cindy Crawford. Are you serious? That one always stuck with me. <laughs> uh, no, you know, and, and I think... I, I, I think what became so interesting about PlayStation was that you know i i i think in the beginning i like many felt like okay sony doesn't belong in this space you know they they're they're they don't really care about gaming they're just coming in to make money or whatever um and you start hearing all these developers say look sony came to us they asked us what they what we want because you know to be to be fair it was very much a you have sega they just make their their console and put it out there and tell you what what it's going to be you have Nintendo, they make their console, and they tell you what's going to be. Here comes Sony, where they're going to developers, and they're like, okay, what do you want out of a, a game system? You know, like, how, how can we make a system for you that you really want to take advantage of? And there started to be, like, all these things that just felt different and felt different in kind of an exciting way. Um, you know, big, big, big way, of course, you know, was the 3d graphics like all of a sudden there's polygons and and we're we're so used to two-dimensional games and sprites and everything but all of a sudden now all these games are going to be polygons and this is this is really weird because i'm not used to this i'm not used to 
a console being based around that. And, oh, they have these, like, little memory cards. I remember, like, how big of a deal memory cards were at that point. Well, you know, this, I'll stick this statement in real quick. I wanted to say, you know, with the PlayStation, they were not the first to use a CD medium. They were not the first to introduce the, you know, Polygon Power. They were not the first to use the memory card. No, they weren't. But no. it was all about timing, making it work with the proper guts under the hood, and just firing on all cylinders. And while they were not the, in, while they weren't the first to do all these things. They were the best at it. I would I would argue it's almost kind of the Apple thing. Like they're not the first to be there, but they make it it feel like they're the first ones there. You know? Because yeah, it was not the first home console that had a CD drive, but it was the first home console to really be centered around that. To be convincing that CD really is the future like yeah. the disc medium, like you know, people always complain about load times or you know, not communicating properly with other aspects of memory or this and that, blah, blah, blah. But it, this really showed you that, okay, this is around to stay. Right. And as you talked about the last show, you know, it wasn't about 3D gaming being this, this, this niche thing, this kind of like one-offs, um, these gimmicks. It was about 3D gaming is really where the future is going to be. And it was about... And obviously, the memory card thing, it was simply because you can't store things on a, on a CD, you know. Um, but they made it feel like we're giving you new ways to enjoy your game. It, it was already, awesome. It was cool. You know, I yeah. used to like just looking at the memory card save files to see what artwork you got. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like, oh, I can take my saves to my friend's house now, you know. And and all I can, all, all I need is my memory card. Like, my, my memory card is like my gaming life now stored in this little card. <laughs> You know, that's what the VMUs would become. That's what the Amiibos are supposedly now. You know, it's it's that whole kind of feeling. So there were all these, like, aspects. And, oh, my Lord, the black discs, right? That Yes, yes. You were like, okay, first, <clears throat> I don't even know how this works. Like, I, I, I am confused by CD technology. Like, how does a black disc work? But it just, it felt, it felt cool. It really, and, you know, there... I think the PlayStation was really the first time that a game system kind of broke out from that this is a toy kind of feeling into into Sony is making an entertainment device that plays video games and you're going to have one sitting next to your television and everyone in your family is going to play it it's not just for the kids in your household. This is where, when we discussed last episode, this is where Sony, I felt, picked up some of the reins of Sega with the cool factor, whereas not, whereas the Xbox picked up technologically after Dreamcast. But in, in this era, this is where, when Sega fumbled with the, the Saturn and 32X, when they started to stumble, stumble, that market they introduced, that teen market, which was now getting into a little bit later teens, that 20-something, the sports titles became established on Genesis, but they continued on. Let me blow your mind here, and this is certainly not for the, the Japanese network of uh, Morning Project, but a company that was red hot for them, that's no more, was 989. Oh, yeah, yeah, 989 yeah. was hot with a lot of stuff, and, and Sony picking up the reins, with that more mature market, and like you're saying, the cool factor of the console being in the living room, the, the CD medium, that that's they picked up, you know, the football, so to speak, where Sega fumbled. 
Yeah, and, and I think I think you know when we talk about Sega, I think what what Sega did, and they did it brilliantly, is they they moved the the the, the line from being these are kids playing games to, to these are teenagers playing games, right? right? Like Sega was the brand that teenagers wanted to own because only little kids played Mario, you know, only little kids played Link. You know, only little kids played these like watered down, you know, you know, little kids were playing the version of Mortal Kombat that had no blood in it. Uh, you know, the teens with Genesis, they were playing the cool version of Mortal Kombat. So I think Sega pushed, pushes that line to being like, you know what, now we're cool with teenagers. We actually are a brand that's kind of hip. And I think Sony comes in and says, no, the line isn't there. The line is older. And so, you know, yeah, if you're a teenager, you might still want your Sega, but if if you're you know, like an 18, 19, if you're a college student, you know, those kind of, those kind of players, you know, the players that are growing up over time, you really want a PlayStation because that's where the stuff you're going to want to play is going to be at. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't, I don't even know what to say to that, but it, it's so crazy. Just thinking back on memories now, like in, and even their print ads and their, their, you are not ready campaign on television and going back to the game that made me get a system for its technical prowess, which is laughable now, the original Toshinden. Uh, I also can't believe, I remember when I saw the first image of the PlayStation controller in a magazine. <laughs> this is going to be so funny, Shidoshi. I remember that I couldn't believe they took a shape similar to that of the SNES pad. And I oh, could yeah. not believe they found a way to add more buttons on it. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I also couldn't get over the look of the D pad. Like I felt like everything was fragmented, and and it until I had the the system at home, I had no idea how that D pad was going to function properly. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny because I I went I went and I looked back to the news groups, and because I remembered at one point I had like when you were on news groups, you had like a, a signature for all your posts, and. I had a certain point where I had a, a running total of how much money I'd saved up for a PlayStation in, in my signature. And as of like the last one I found, I had like $600 saved up so far for this. And I think, I think this, is, this is really the first time I ever went out and got in line for the system. And I, I, wanna, I almost want to feel like it was like a Sunday that it came out. Like what? I don't remember what day the PlayStation... Was it nine nine ninety five? Was it actually nine nine? I thought it was. We all know Dreamcast was nine nine ninety nine. I think this was nine nine ninety five. I think. Let's see, nineteen ninety five calendar. Oops. Because uh, yeah, I I I really do feel like it was a Sunday that it had come out. Let's see if I can. Uh, September. Okay, that says it'll be Saturday, so I don't know. But, um. I remember being it was it was an electronics boutique at, at the time, and I remember getting in line to to go in and get one. Um, I went in. I bought my PlayStation. I bought a copy of Ridge Racer. I bought a copy of Toshinden, and then I was going to buy a second controller, but they actually sold out. Mm. So I had to get one of those big like uh, ASCII oh. joysticks. It wasn't. I think it came later in its life. It wasn't that weird boomerang, boomerang Alps looking one, was it? No, 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 no. It, okay. it was. It looked more like a typical kind of like a home arcade stick okay. kind of thing. It, it actually looked like the, the the body of it looked kind of like the PlayStation itself did. It was gray and kind of a circle in the middle and stuff. Um, but yeah, so I mean that that was like my first purchase, and 
I actually I I should go back because I remember that I I was a Sega person, you know, but I was getting really excited for the PlayStation uh, to the point that you know I had done I had done fanzines back in in junior high and high school and stuff, but at this point I wasn't doing much fanzine stuff, and I really wanted to get back doing one about video games, and so my reintroduction into doing that I did this one shot called play nation and it was like a a a a sony based fanzine and i actually did my first issue before the system came out i had talked to some pr people at sony you know got got information from them stuff like that i sent it to egm2 and they, they printed it in the magazine so i was i was really gung ho for, for, for the PlayStation and, and said I, I actually went and got in line for it which I had never done before and I was just because it, it did it did feel like it was just you know I think I think one of the big things was because the jump from 8 to 16 um, yeah was you know better sprites more sprites more colors more more layers of parallax and things like that you know this was truly a new generation of, of, of consoles and I think that's what excited me so much was because I I just I didn't know what was coming next from the system my my memories also of PlayStation are a bit different than other consoles we've discussed from the past but it's not so much just reliant upon what we've discussed already but I think it all comes down to my age as well being um anywhere from 14 to 19 during the PlayStation's run. So, like, I have a lot of different feelings from that era, and it brings back a lot of memories just of gaming in general. And actually, I didn't have this planned or written down on my notes or anything like that. But And it's so funny because I've seen this argument made online, and I always thought it was just me and a couple other people I know in private. But PlayStation was also around... Obviously, during 1998, a few years after, which was arguably one of the greatest years in gaming, and we don't have to list everything per se, and it wasn't just solely on the PlayStation console for all of gaming, from Saturn to N64, everyone had great software that year, but like the PlayStation was like, it was around at such a great time, whether it be for innovation, things we hadn't seen before. And just a library of software that was just unprecedented with just a lot of quality and great experiences that were built upon from the 16-bit era and 8-bit, which goes back to my earlier statement of the PlayStation truly being the NES of that era. And I think that's the highest compliment I can give it. And, and, you know, I mean, it's on one hand, you're like, man, was... Uh, was the PlayStation really as good as the NES, you know? But then when you actually do think about it, it was just, I think, just so much better. And, you know, I mean, you look at, at some of the franchises that were born on that system, you know? You you have, okay, yeah, Metal Gear did, did exist, but you have Metal Gear Solid, right? You have Resident Evil. You have Silent Hill, you know, uh, you have Crash Bandicoot, Spyro, Xenogears, uh, Xenogears, Vagrant Story, 
Vagrant Tekken story. Three. I, I would say Tekken Tekken period, right? Right. Tekken, I'm just Tekken. right. I'm just getting a little specific. Right. Yeah. Wipeout XL. R four. I mean. The, uh, Ridge, Ridge Racer yeah. kind of was. I mean, it was a, Ridge Racer was an arcade game, but it was kind of really a, a little bit of two D. Well, two big two D loves here. One uh, Symphony of the Night. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Castle, and, again, Castlevania and, existed, but Castlevania was completely reborn. In the and, system. And, and while not the best version, they had a respectable version of Street Fighter Alpha Three. Yeah, I mean, tons of ton of great stuff on. I mean, yeah, but I mean, I mean, just just looking at like the franchises that were started on that platform. Parappa. You know, Parappa, um, Darren Lammy, or the, the, you know, the Parappa series overall. Um, like, I just, just like, just, I mean, was, uh, I mean, Final Fantasy Tactics was, was started on that one. Yes, it? I think first quarter 97 off the top of my head. Yeah, I mean, so it's, it's funny that just, there's so many franchises, like, I mean, Nintendo's Nintendo, right? But there's so many franchises we have around now that were really born in the PlayStation. And I mean, it wasn't born, but obviously what, Final Fantasy is now happened because of places. Right. Right. You know, there's just yeah, there's just so many things that that really got their start on that system and yeah, I mean god just just for me, I mean just Resident Evil and Silent Hill those two alone, you know. <laughs> right. Like it's it is it's funny. I mean, you know, things change once a PS2 hits because you know, during the PS1's era, you're like, okay, how how does the how does the follow up get bigger than this? And obviously, it does get bigger. But during that PS1 era, there, looking back, there were so many games, and it really, you know, that was one of those situations, like the PS2, where it really, really didn't have competition. You know, I mean, the N64 existed, but there was no way the N64 was actually competition to it. The Saturn existed, but it wasn't really competition. Like, like that was. That was, like you kind of said, going back to the NES, where you had this runaway smash system, you know, that just had no close second rival, where everything and anything was coming to this platform. And so many new gaming ideas and so many new franchises were being born on it. I mean, we could even go back as far as, uh, once again, while some of these type of peripherals weren't the first ever, but like... Everything from music peripherals, like for what, like Guitar Freaks or DDR pads, to Jog Cons, Neg Cons, uh, arcade. You know, Namco even doing a run of some official arcade sticks. I mean, there was so much to do on PlayStation. There's so many experiences that were reborn or perfected. I mean, I keep saying it over and over, but it was an amazing time in gaming. And the library of software was was like endless. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's Tony Hawk, you know, not my Pe- deal, Penchu. but yeah, it was a. It, I, I almost want to use the word phenomenon. Like it was, it was huge. That series was humongous before they ran it into the ground with eight hundred sequels, like Sonic. Yeah, um, Siphon Filter. Oh wow, uh, God. I, I don't remember if Rayman was around before. Yeah, that was like Jaguar and yeah, and, but but they did. Well, have, no, no, Jaguar was Jaguar was after PlayStation's launch, wasn't it? Uh, no, because I had no. I got a Jaguar that goes back as far as I think like '93. Okay, um, Dino Crisis. Yeah, Klonoa. Parasite Eve. Parasite Eve. Legacy of Kane. Legacy of Kane. The Soul Reaver was big at the time. Yeah, Soul Reaver. 
said Tomb, Tomb Raider was another one that, that started Raider, huge. there. There were, I mean, there's just you, you go in. There's just so many. In what I feel was the best Mega Man game, Mega Man X Four, Mega Man X series. It's it's uh, Ark the Lad. Oh Jesus! And I, I know there's a ton of RPGs that that we're forgetting too. I mean, they're like uh, Legend of Mana. Um, yeah, there's just. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. Like it's it's. I said. You know the, the system that comes after it will be even crazier, but I, I like this. This really was just a the start of a new era, and just all of these. I mean, because I, I think if you look back and you think about like what came out during the eight and sixteen bit era, like how much of that has really survived, you know, versus how much has survived from the PlayStation era. And I I think to be fair, part of that was because as as crummy as the PlayStation's graphics may have been and as just low tech and early as its its 3D worlds might have been i think that those games really got established there and could grow and and get better over time right whereas with anything from the previous eras you had to find ways to to bring those ideas over into three dimensions yeah that's a good point like maybe they had that 3D foundation or template from PlayStation era and they can build on that whereas like that 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 wireframe so to speak is always there. Yeah. You know. Um uh Bushido Blade. Oh wow. I still love that game so much. <clears throat> oh, here that we go. Just... You just sparked my memory when you said uh, Bushido Blade made me think of Einhander. Einhander. Tobal. Uh, Brave Fencer Musashi. I love Tobal. I love the feel of Tobal. Yeah. Tobal is awesome. Uh, the 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 Buster Groove games, yes. Which I'm sorry, I don't own. Uh, there's one. I think I'm missing the one on not to jump around on PS2 that I'm sorry I don't own. The you would know that I know you'd know the name. I can't remember the name right now. Oh, uh, Dance Summit. Yeah, 2001. Yep. I think it was. Um, I mean, th- this was the first console that really had kind of like real like 3D racing games. You know, I the. Like I mean, I, I loved. Uh, God, I think it was Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. Yeah, I think it was Need for um, Speed Three, the one where uh, with the police chasing and the leaves blowing in the air. Yeah. At least on the PC version. Yeah. Yeah, that was um, huge at the time. Yeah, just man. I mean, like I'm I'm going through in like a Cool Borders. You know, there's <laughs> there's just so many. Oh, games you hear even, uh, Jet Moto. Yeah, there's just so many games that you you can you can sit here and list. Um, but you know what's funny is you know talking about games having trouble figuring out uh oh deception deception dead or alive uh figuring out how to go from 2d to 3d you know what was funny is that um that i think sony comes into this and they're all like you know developers developers we're going to do what what you guys want we're going to help you make a system that, that makes games and as soon as the PlayStation really hits off, or maybe even before that, you kind of start seeing the arrogant Sony coming through in some ways. No. Because th- this is, you know, this is the point where all of a sudden all the rumors start going around about, oh, Sony doesn't want 2D games on their systems. You know, they want games that really show off the power. You know, they want games that 
that really look cool. They don't want these old games on their system. Um, so, you know, I mean, that that was kind of... It's funny because as, as excited I was coming into the system, like, I my switch back to being a Sega fan actually happened pretty quickly. I'd say, like, when it was in the first year or two. Because I did like the PlayStation, but... I started realizing, like, wow, I feel like I'm seeing all these really great Japanese games on the Saturn, but strangely, the PlayStation keeps getting all these really European games, you know, and all these kind of more Western games, at least at that point, at least in the early years. Yeah, I I, I have some similar feelings to you, yes. Uh <laughs> You know, there was that, and it was kind of like, what? and I'm not seeing any, like, 2D games, so I don't really know if I like this direction that it's going in. It's actually, bring up a real good point with the European aspect. You know, I was always a big fan. I was always a huge fan of Psygnosis because of the Amiga. Oh, yeah, see, yeah, see, yeah, for you, then, you had that connection where I was like, I, I just didn't care about their stuff. So I like that, but, um, and the PlayStation was a Japanese powerhouse. I mean... I had the, you know, I knew, we all knew, selling like gangbusters, it, it was number one. There was a lot of stuff that I loved on it. But I also had a fondness for Saturn still, and this just comes down to personal taste, and even to this day, because I just love 2D games. So that was, you know, so it was so weird to play a masterpiece like Symphony of the Night on hardware that wasn't really meant to do that. Right. But I mean, outside of your exception or two like that, you know, I always love the two D, um, you know, style of game when done right. Yeah, and you know, I, I think for anybody though, there reaches a point where, like, you can't you can't not be a PlayStation gamer, you know, because just it's trouncing the competition too much, and too many games are going over to PlayStation and. You know, there are plenty of Japanese releases that are coming out at this point. Um, and just, like, everything. Like, if, if there's some... I mean, you know, like, it's like, like we were talking about earlier, right? You know, if you want a Nintendo game, sure, you're going to go to the Wii U. But if you're looking for the entire picture, like, that's not the direction you go. You know, at, at that point, it was like, okay, if you want these Nintendo games or really good wrestling games, you go to the N64. If you want... Sega games or the really crazy import Japanese stuff, you go Saturn. But if you want pretty much everything else, and if you want a system where you know you're always going to have options on it, you go PlayStation. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, I'm I'm still reminiscing over here in my chair, just thinking of that whole that whole PlayStation year, and I've probably said it 15 times, but uh, a very special time in gaming. Gran Turismo. Oh, that well, I have Gran a lo- I have a love hate off. I have a love hate relationship with Gran Turismo. But that was I mean like even even as as if you look back at how quaint it is at this point, like that was crazy. Oh, th- no doubt, when Gran Turismo came out, absolutely mind blowing. Changed the whole template of racing games that were to be done thereafter. So the love part of it is is that. Gran Turismo was uh, the benchmark for racing by far. And as you know, uh, what is it, Kazunori Yamauchi said at the time, he didn't expect that to really become a hit. 
because it was really only made for otaku for cards or like the right. aficionados. Also, as a side note for uh, purists listening, his first racing title before that was Motor Tune Grand Prix. Mm. And anyway, back on the Gran Turismo topic, it was so mind blowing. And I'm doing this all off memory. I think it had like 166 cars, and magazines like Next Gen compared the replays to to that of like looking at grainy footage. It looks so realistic. So that's all of the love and a series that continues on to this day. The hate aspect from me comes in. While I love and respect what Gran Turismo did, and I understand, I mean, it's amazing to get all of that content. I also hate it because, in my mind at least, it destroyed the arcade racer. Mm. Like, with the exception of, like, Ridge Racer, like, think about it. You could get away with, at that time, a game like Sega Rally. Or right. the arcade-style Sega GT, or Daytona USA, or your Ridge Racer, which com- you know your Namco racers, which competed with your Sega titles. And, or I was I was a huge fan of what was what was the Atlas racing games on like Saturn, for example. Like the, I think there were like Mountain King in Japan. Ooh. I can't remember what the. the I, I may have forgotten was. about that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. No, I I know what you're saying. Yeah, like it's 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 kind of like once I come along. But once every every right. Yeah, well, kind of. Here's another weird analogy. With the height of popularity of Final Fantasy, once Final Fantasy showed you games are 40 to 60 plus hours, everyone wanted a 60-hour game. When Gran Turismo came out for racing, if you had like three good tracks and five cars, that was like freaking nothing. <laughs> like yeah. everyone wanted a thousand cars, a hundred tracks, and 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 that Gran Turismo experience, you know. So for that, I respect it, but. I mean, to this day, your your hot racers, your realistic racers that come out, always still have to follow that template of an enormous amount of car selection and that abundance of content. Like, like we don't see anything like a Sega Rally Championship anymore. Yeah, no, and it's it's sad. It it, it really, and then I think part of that too is like just the arcades have died, right? You know? So I think it's like a combination of things. Um, Jet Moto, I mean not Jet Moto, uh, Jumping Flash. You had you had Mega Man Legends. I, I wish they would put that on the PlayStation Network so I can experience it again. I, I only doubt it. I really, especially uh, Misadventures of Tron Bond because I never got a chance to play that, mm. and that's so hard to find at this point. Um, all, all the nine eight nine games. You had Intelligent Cube, of course. You had the Odd World games. Uh, here's a, here's a throwback here. One that I think will be hitting PSN soon, though not officially announced here. But Konami on their American feed has been doing a lot of online play. I don't know if it's on Twitch or whatever, but Suikoden too. Ah, uh, Suikoden. Yes, and I can't believe I forgot to mention this one. But of course, Persona—that's where Persona starts. Oh yes, yes. So I oh yes, you're right. Like, because how, how I, I was almost thinking SMT, but you're talking the true, the actual Persona yeah. game. No Persona, yeah, yeah. The Persona games. Um, Point Blank. Those were such a fun kind oh, yeah. of like light gun. Series. I love Time Crisis. Very arcadey. Time Crisis. Uh, just like this. This list is just crazy. Just so much. So much. I like the Hot Shots Golf games. <laughs> came from that platform. I remember. I remember. Like, do you remember like Loaded and, and Reloaded? Like that seemed like a series that was going to become. Really, really enjoyed the original. The second one was trash. Mm. And ironically, the one that's available on PlayStation Network is the second one. 
Ah. And back on PlayStation memories, I guess I'll get this out of the way. I, I, an argument could be made for my life personally that my, the greatest gifts I've received per se are the, you know, greatest Christmas. And I know Christmas isn't all about, you know, it's not supposed to be about the gifts and it's the celebration of family and, and you know, the, the whole religious aspect to it. But getting to the gifts... Christmas in 95 is when I finally got a PlayStation, and it was so insane because I was young, and I got it with five games. Wow. I think I can still name the games, but one of those was Loaded. Hmm. Wow. How old were you at this point? Uh, I I just turned 15. So technically, you shouldn't have gotten Loaded, but I think you were too young for that. Oh. (laughs) I was like, no, I, I I know I'd received. Yeah, I got it now, but. Yeah, it was uh, Loaded, Toshinden. You ready for this? Raiden Project, which was Raiden 1 and 2. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved Raiden 2. One of the few 2D games that came out at launch. Yeah, and, that's a good and, point. Yeah. And then the last two games I got were Warhawk, mm, which okay. I'll tell you a story of that. I loved the look of Warhawk, and I thought I was going to love that lock-on missile aspect because I was such a huge Panja Dragoon fan. Do you know why I pretty much virtually did not touch Warhawk? Do you know why? Hmm. Why? Because I hated the cutscenes. Oh, really? I guess I, I, I never played it, so I don't know. Well, it had, that sure. was still the era when they were still dabbling in a bit of FMV. Live action stuff? Oh, and you know what? Mm. I think Game Fan Magazine might have discussed that too. That sounds like a good Because I, I even want to say they referenced, the, and I'm going to pronounce this wrong. I think they said it would have been better if they had the cutscenes done like with more of a Wings of Honomies um, like, instead of the live action. So that made me not right. play Warhawk. And the final title was uh, WWF WrestleMania, the arcade game. Ooh. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. Of the bunch, can't, the ones can't I... Can't win them all. Yeah, the ones I probably played the most were Toshinden and Loaded. Yeah. But all Loaded was really was a top-down little shooter, which kind of kind of take Doom with the whole key card type system, like the red, blue, green type thing, and make your levels top-down. Right. And, you know, that, that's what it was. Um, Twisted Metal was a big one. Never got into that series. Did you ever get into that, buy into that? I, I, I put a little bit of it. Yeah. I did like a little bit of it. Uh, for me, Vib Ribbon, I, I, I thought was a really great game. Yeah, there's like there's just so many so many games looking back. So Wild Arms, of course. So absolute favorite PS One games. Which 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 ones would you pick? Oh dang! I, uh, uh, off the top of my head, you know, from its technical aspect, you know, got to put Metal Gear Solid on there, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, Street Fighter Alpha Three. Um, See, I always like two better. Uh, if if we're getting into that, like yeah, yes, I can agree with that argument. But I think I'm just t- I think I'm taking into consideration for PlayStation. I loved Alpha Two on Saturn. Yeah. No. Yeah. Of course. Um, what else would I have on that list off the top of my head? Um, you know, we, we've we've mentioned a lot of these already. R four from a technical aspect. While once again, I always make this clear because I'm not like someone that goes through and does everything in the game or whatever. I always remember Final Fantasy VII, the impact that had. Uh, speaking on a personal, personal note, I'd have to say Tobal II, Einhander. Uh, I always liked the look of Vagrant Story. 
and uh, I, I enjoyed that. I love the sprite work mixed with the 3D work on Xenogears. And yeah, I would say off the top of my head that those are probably the the big ones that come to mind. Yeah, I mean, for me, a lot of the ones. I mean, like, I I still remember being in Game Fans offices when we got in the video, like the first promo video for Metal Gear Solid, and that just was mind blowing. It was not you know to mean? be believed. Yeah, you you were like, I don't understand how this is a game. This is like this is like a movie. This is how is this a game? Like how how do you even play this? Like you know, it just it didn't make sense to you when you looked at it. Um, I'd say oh, what one that we forgot was uh, Soul Calibur. I I was a big fan of Soul Calibur or so- Soul Edge. I'm sorry, Soul Edge. Yes, right. it, yes, it was it, Soul Edge at that point. And I will say, while it wasn't the finest hour on PlayStation for the series, you know, it always goes to Tekken Three. I got to tell you, one summer, I think it was summer '96. The first installment I ever bought in the Tekken series was Tekken 2. I played a ton of Tekken 2. See, I hated Tekken, and I still hate Tekken. I just, I cannot stand that series at all. I have to, I've said this before in an old episode, I think, and I won't bore again with the details. I go into Tekken with a different mindset. If I go into it wanting Virtua Fighter, I'll hate it. Right. Yeah, I have to go into it for what, for what it is. You know, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I've got some buddies who I remember selling Tekken two years ago, like having them buy it with me, and I remember they returned it. But Soul Edge, Soul Edge, I'll tell you the most memorable moment for Soul Edge. Uh, you probably agree, the intro. I remember. Okay, again, being a game fan, I remember Mr. Nick Rocks standing there with us, <laughs> and when we got to the point where Sophie is in the water, and the god comes up, and you see like the individual strands of her hair. Like if you look at it now, it's just like it's so cheesy and so terrible. But like his 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 jaw was agape as he watched <laughs> that scene, and he was just like, you know, oh my god, you know, he just like he, he just was stunned into silence from. But that that was like there was this era, especially on PlayStation, of the kind of CG intro where you just always loved seeing what was coming next, you know, and, and Namco were just experts at that. That's a real good point. You know, as much as we praise our Saturn uh, collection, the PlayStation, the CG on PlayStation always seems superior. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it was part of it was a hardware because they could, you know, they had uh, MPEG decoding and stuff like that, but it was just like, it was always fun. Like seeing the companies trying to like, you know, one up each other and stuff. And, as much as I love that Soul Calibur intro, when you get to R4's intro, R4's intro is just, just is crazy to me. Like I, to this day, I'll still watch that intro. Like that is just like one of the most perfect intros to me for, to a game. And just it was it was like this excitement of like, oh man, I want to see like you know what the next Namco intro is going to be. I want to see what the next Final Fantasy CG is going to look like and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean Square took that to a whole nother level with the amount the abundance of CG in their titles and. Seven, eight, and nine, and even though a lot, eight was kind of the love story, and I think there's it's split on that. Some people love it, and some people don't. But the CG and FF eight, I mean, I remember that running in the store and just that intro going, and I mean, insanity, insanity, how good it looked. Yeah. Um. So I, you know, I think one thing, one thing we want to want to end on is, okay, how how do you play PS one now? You know, I mean, because. It's it's funny because the PlayStation one, and I and you know what's what's even 
uh, humorous as well is that I remember in Next Generation before the system came out and they're, they're, they're talking to Sony and Sony specifically said well when PS2 comes out PS2 is going to be backward compatible with PS1 and when PS3 comes out PS3 is going to be backward compatible with PS2 and PS1 which was kind of like a crazy like idea to think of at the time and funny enough they actually in a way accomplished it but um, like PS1 at this point is like probably one of the easiest PlayStation consoles of old to go back and play because you just have so many options for playing it you know you can PS, PS4 is still trying to find its way but you know if you want to PS1 games now you can go on your PS3 you can download them to your PSP you can download them to your PS, PS Vita I would say that the library is mixed. Um, some of the bigger games that y- you would hope are on there are on there, but there are some exceptions. You know, like like you mentioned earlier, we're still missing Suikoden 2, which was finally one of my favorite position RPGs. Um, the Mega Man Legends games aren't on there. So there, there are some weird kind of holes in, in what you can find. But, you know, the Silent Hills on there, Metal Gear Solid's on there, the Final Fantasies are on there, the Resident Evils are on there. There's uh, a lot that you can go back to if you kind of missed out on that era. And, you know, even I think like on like some of your Android devices and stuff, you can download PS1 games now. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That's true. And I used to have yeah. an Xperia PlayStation phone, but yeah. And and if and if you do have the the physical games, if you still want to play those, um, both the PS2 and the PS3 can play the PS1 games. I don't think I think there's some people that have forgotten that. So that's a good reminder. The PlayStation yeah. 3 console, even the the slim ones or what have you, those can still play PlayStation One. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, because they they got rid of the PS2 support, which I think kind of makes people think it's completely gone and plus with their big push for for ps1 downloads you know um and sony used to give away like a lot of ps1 games as as part of ps plus they don't do it anymore but in general you can find those games on there for you know six bucks to ten dollars which isn't bad may i ask you something out of the blue sure if whether it costs like 50 or 100 bucks i don't know if you're in the same camp as me magically with your PS3, because I still love my PlayStation 3 console. For an extra 50 or $100, like some sort of special disc or adapter, wouldn't you pay it just to play your PlayStation 2 game still? Um, I would. I, I still have I have a Japanese PS2, but I know like my one the CD drive on is probably going or whatever, but like I still have a lot of my stuff saved, and I still have a hell of a PlayStation 2 collection, but I... the Here's a... Well, the, the problem is when we get to... You know, I guess, I mean, not like it's a big spoiler, but um, <laughs> when we talk about downloading PS2 games, I think Sony has done a way better job of hitting on the niche titles. So I actually, like, looking at my shelf of the games I actually have out right now and seeing what I would want to replay, I would say at least half of those games um, I have as digital versions on the PS3. Because they have they have made such an effort, it seems, uh, you know. As whereas the PS One, I think they were they were trying to hit on the the really popular ones and the big names. Right. On the PS Two, I feel like they've gone after more of the hardcore stuff. Mm. So a lot of the stuff I have on my shelf, I have digitally already. Mm. You know, and I mean, it would be 
it would be nice. I would much rather, to be honest, I'd much rather, you know, have a PS4 something or other. Like yeah, I, I would go. I would agree with you on that. Yes, I, I would even that, take that. Yeah, that I pay fifty bucks for, and I can just play all my downloaded games, and then they they keep trying to get games up there because there are still some big holes for me that are missing. Right. But I've been very impressed by the PS2 game they put up digitally. So and and I have a I have a modded PS2. Mm. So I kind of have reason to keep it around anyway. Mm. Um, not that I have it hooked up all the time, but I, I can always bring it up. I really want to play it. So you can do American and Japanese games on it. Yeah. Oh wow. And uh, fun homebrew stuff. Anyway. How much that set you back for that mod? I don't remember. I got it during the kind of play era. Who? So I bought. I actually bought a slim. PS2 and it's 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 so there were kind of two generations of slims there was the one that still had the kind of ridges like the, the original PS2 had and then the totally flat faced mm. one so it's the one that has the ridges mm. but then I just sent off to some guy and he modded it so but since we're getting to PS2 let's talk about PS2 because <laughs> the PS1 comes out <clears throat> becomes this gigantic oh we doing the whole PlayStation uh, family yeah sure oh yeah. Jesus yeah. I mean, we, it's not going to be that long of a thing because we're not going super in depth I, with all this stuff. I was celebrating the uh, PlayStation Uno. Okay, oh, keep, do keep, we not want to do it then? No, keep we it going. No, it. It'll be it'll make the listeners laugh. So keep going. Yeah, holy, I mean, cause I, I don't. I said I don't think there's like the big big uh, details. I got to give of, a special uh, shout out to a fan who's probably going to be dying uh, laughing. Is uh, uh, who I will give credit. I will go on record. The biggest Sony buff I know would be Mad Tiger. I mean, mm. I actually almost went as far. I was almost going to pitch to you, but to have her on for our Sony celebration. So I'll just I'll acknowledge her. Mad Tiger on Twitter, like I've known her from the past, from the online world and and previous work I've done. Uh, great person, you know, very friendly, true gamer, and she, you know, she prided herself on being like a big Sony fan, and like she doesn't brag about it, but like. You know, having an abundance of knowledge. I have to tell you something. When it comes to Sony, she's the real deal. So, uh, so anyway, I gotta, I gotta throw that that plug in there. So yeah, listeners will be laughing, especially her, once they realize we'll be going through the whole history of PlayStation consoles. Now moving on to PlayStation Two. You know, but you know what's funny is, uh, again, Mr. Nick Rocks. Uh, he was a gigantic. Sony person, like to to a stupid degree, like to a, a little bit embarrassing degree at, at one point. Um, and this is a guy who was hardcore into two D games. This was a guy who was hardcore into two D fighters. This was a guy who was hardcore into sprites and frame rates and everything. And he still preferred the position over Saturn. This, this oh, is he, the oh, guy. He preferred to, I didn't realize yes. he was that much of a PlayStation. This this is this is a guy who owned and would regularly play a Neo Geo. Yeah, wait, this is shocking right system. now because yeah, I would have totally not guessed that because not only was he a Neo owner, he was also like a CPS board owner. Yes, but he preferred the PlayStation over the Saturn. Whoa! He, I mean, to the point that he would play Street Fighter on the PlayStation, not Saturn. Oh, stop. And he would convince That's himself that it, he would... No, I swear to This to is the completely Lord new knowledge to me. And he would convince himself... I, I'm sure if he was on here now, he would admit to it. He would convince himself that the PlayStation versions were better than the Saturn versions. The, st- <laughs> I don't believe this. Yeah. Yes. 
I <laughs> because I had to. Um, okay, so here's here's wait, here's, wait, here's wait, a story. Wait, wait. I got it. Here's a story you'll appreciate, okay, right? Okay. So <laughs> when I apply to work at Game Fan, okay. I in one of my fanzines. This was so I, I made the one issue of Play Nation that was PlayStation only, and after that I'm like, you know what? I kind of want a Saturn, so I switched over to doing a um, fanzine called Digital Anime that was a multi multi platform fanzine. And in in one of the issues, I actually called out Nick for 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 what he said about the Saturn version of Street Fighter Alpha versus the PlayStation version of Street Fighter. Oh, Alpha. the whole the whole uh, what per- Purple Shadows? Um, I, I think it was or that, and there was something else. God, you know what? I Oh, I should have a There is still an should... internet site up to this day. I know. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That still has that whole debacle covered? Yeah. Um, man, was it Blue I, I Shadows should, I should or put... Purple Shadows? Blue, blue, blue I'm Shadows. I'm sorry. Blue Shadows, yeah. I should put it on hold and go get the digi- the, the, the issue. Okay, like, so like you, call, you called him but, out in but this so I call, I call him out. I call him out, right? In my fanzine, like, what is this BS? Because everybody knows Saturn version is better, right? So I'm getting ready to apply to Game Fan, and I'm getting ready to send them copies of my fanzines and everything. And then I remember the fact that I'm trashing Game Fan in <laughs> one of my fanzines. So I actually went to Kinko's and reprinted wow, a, to new, correct a, it. New, a new version of that issue <laughs> to change the text of, of what I had said so that it wouldn't be... Like negative against him. Is there anyone in the wild that would still have your original unedited version? Oh yeah, no, I mean I, I do. I have. Well, to. like, is there anyone listening potentially that would have? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. There, I mean, I don't. Well, I don't know if I don't know if any of our listeners go back that far with knowing me, but I know other people who you know back in the day collected fanzines. Uh, they definitely would have issues. So, so I'm interested in this. So let's keep this going. So what happened? So. Did, was this ever discussed with Nick or or what? Were you- no, I don't think I ever told him that. I don't know. Oh. Like I don't. I don't know if I ever told him af- afterwards or like long. Like I, I, a little part of me feels like we might have mentioned it on Warning a Huge Podcast, but I don't know that I now, ever told him. I got to tell you this. Speaking of convincing oneself and comparing, talking about Street Fighter real quick, I used to think that that version of Street Fighter Alpha Three on PlayStation was fantastic. I sound like such a con right now because I just got done. <laughs> <laughs> bragging about it because all the reviews were like I, I was you know I had the Saturn and had a Dreamcast at the time and the reviews on Street Fighter Alpha 3 on PlayStation were so fantastic with all the extra modes I'm like you know what this is the first time I'm getting PlayStation version and and you know what I owned it I played it for a couple of years and I loved it Yeah, I was working at a store one day and we had it running on Dreamcast and I remember at the time I'm like you know what the differences were so minimal with this from what I read between the Dreamcast and PlayStation, that I, even though I've bought certain fighting games numerous times, I had no need to buy this again. I mm. saw that game running on Dreamcast. I swear to you, Shidoshi, I felt so cheated. <laughs> I could not believe, and, and honestly, I never wound up buying it on Dreamcast because I think it was late enough where I didn't care as much anymore. But I remember standing there one time just watching the. Wind pose animations and the demo run for different animations I hadn't seen before, and I was so upset. I was so upset. I think it was a, a later issue in my fanzine where I I did a section called EGM thinks you're stupid, 
<laughs> about Street Fighter Alpha 2, where I was like, you know, where I was calling out their, their, because it was funny because like, if you read like, you know, the, the four person review for Street Fighter Alpha 2 on like PlayStation, uh-huh. they said a lot of good things. And then in the Saturn review for that same game, like they were calling it out for things that were just as bad in the PlayStation version, but they didn't knock it on points wow. for it and stuff like that. So I think, no, I really think at that point, I mean, you know, you'll notice if you ever read an issue of Next Generation, they were always biased against the Neo Geo. That, and 2D. Yeah, and 2D. That was the one thing. I loved Next Gen, but that was the one black eye for me on Next Gen is they didn't respect 2D games. Yeah. I still remember the first 2D game that they gave more than two stars. I still remember it. Or for a fighter, at least. Excuse me, I should clarify because so someone doesn't call me out on it. Art of Fighting Three. Hmm. Yeah. But let me ask you this: talk, Can you still talk, hear talk, me? Talk. Yeah, talk for a second. How would Nick convince himself that the PlayStation iteration of X Fighter or like Street Fighter was better than the Saturn? Hang on, I'm pulling something out here. Uh, um. I, you know, I, I think it was just that, that he really, really loved Japanese gaming and just so many more Japanese games were coming to PlayStation versus Saturn. I think he was convinced Sony was the savior of all of us, you know? And so I'm seeing, I might have a copy here. I want to see if I have the copy of this fanzine here, if I can find it on air. Oh, do I not have any in here? Oh, this is going to suck if I don't. Man, I'll, I'll you know, I'll do for, for next episode, I'll, I'll dig it out. I can see if I can find my my Nick Rocks bashing back Whoa. in the day, um, but no, you know it was it was just uh, these these companies. I mean, these companies, these media outlets. You know, just so many people just just were were certain that the PlayStation was just God's gift to gaming, and you know Saturn was trash. So you you could play these games. Like I said, I, I was sitting here. At that point, I had both. I loved both. But I was like, I was just, I was like, how can people say that the, the, especially when we get to the Ram cart era, you know? Right. Like, how can people be saying that these fighting games are better on the PlayStation versus a Saturn? Well, to, let's to kind of steer us back on track, and I'm very guilty of getting us off uh, on a different yes. road. We are now on the PlayStation era, entering the year 2000. And, and, and ladies and gentlemen, I'm doing this on the fly, completely unprepared. So this is all coming off the top of my head and from the heart. PlayStation 2 hits the 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 powerhouse the DVD well, medium uh I, I was going to say before we get to that though be, I mean you have to just talk about the hype right like you have to just say the fact that the hype going into the PS2 was in, in, insane yeah, like not not to be believed yeah and this was the start of the what happens going from PS2 to PS3, you know, that that really kicks so I mean, Sony in the rear, you know, um, like they're they're hyping up the PS2, they're they're saying things like Toy Story level <laughs> graphics. They're they're and saying this is the, things, the emotion engine, right? The emotion engine, which they're saying actually gives emotion to characters 
in video gaming, and they're showing like scenes of like Final Fantasy VIII. Showing yes, showing reels of FF8, Ridge Racer right. Four, CG running quote real time on PlayStation Two architecture. Right, and they're like showing faces and like, look, this character has emotions because of our emotion engine. This was going head to head with uh, Sega's uh, visuals of Shenmue at the time. I remember. Yes, uh, we get to a point where. The PS2 is so powerful that Saddam Hussein is supposedly ordering them to 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 be able to launch missiles at his enemies. Yes, yes, yes. You know, so it was just it was stupid. And we talked about this on Saturn Show that it was to a point where people were were literally saying, "I am not going to buy a Dreamcast because I am just waiting for a PS2." You know, I I just I I don't even care. I don't even care how many great games the system has because I'm just going to wait for a PS2. Like, I mean, the, there's so many people, so much of the population of gamers just were convinced that the PS2 was going to be the winner long before the system even hit. Like, I, I mean, not, not like, a, you know, you look back at PS4 versus Xbox One, right, where Microsoft just totally screws up. Sony seems to be doing everything right. And you're like, okay, given what we know right now, Sony is going to be, you know, the one in the power position. At this point, it was just, we don't care what anybody else has. All we care about is the system that has the name PlayStation and number two after it. I mean, the brand, the name, the brand, it was, it was proven at that point. Uh, the other thing Sony was doing at the time, like while they didn't really introduce the CD medium, perfecting it in gaming, now the promise of the DVD medium PlayStation 2s would be able to play DVD movies uh, as well as uh, backwards compatible with your PlayStation 1 software. Uh, this this powerhouse of a supercomputer on paper. Uh, I mean, it, it had all of the momentum in the world going for it. And, and the PlayStation 2, before we really delve into it, I mean, really was another phenomenal success. I, I mean, how about here's one I, that people I, probably forgot, and this is coming off off the memory banks. The buttons on the PlayStation Two controller were also pressure sensitive. Yes, which which nobody but Kojima ever cared about. <laughs> I'm not. I, I I seriously think that I don't. I can't remember any games besides Metal Gear Solid. I want to like say that. acceleration and whatnot, like in Gran Turismo, and whatnot was affected by it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I think saying the PS2 is successful is is yeah like saying McDonald's has sold some hamburgers <laughs> you know you you can't nobody I mean when I think back to what that system was when it first launched right there it was impossible for me to ever predict what the PS2 would become and just how popular how dominant and how many consoles that thing would sell worldwide. It still to this day stands as one of the best-selling pieces of gaming hardware of all time. I mean, I think it and the DS, you know, were were competing right. for number one, one number one spot. Which again, the, the DS different conversation, right. but DS you ne- never would have thought that. Um, <laughs> it just goes to show that you know, like it, it, like the the, the PS2 wasn't the best hardware. It, it it was I mean, until the PS3 comes along, the PS2 is like one of the most ridiculous like what were they thinking when they put this thing together kind of machines, you know it was very hard to program for it was very hard to get the knowledge of, 
Um, the the online networking was nowhere near as good as the Xbox One. Uh, problems. I mean, you talk about like Xbox One. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> see. See how I screwed up? I said the yeah, Xbox the, you meant the original Xbox. Yes, I mean the original Xbox, yeah. not the current Xbox yeah. One. Um, you know, you think the the 360 had problems. You know, the PS2 when it first came out had has plenty of hardware problems, uh, defective units and stuff. Um, just you know, th- there were so many like weird things about it. It it felt just like a okay. As much as Sony got right about the PlayStation. This is kind of that entertainment company, Sony, where you're starting to wonder, like, okay, do they really understand what it means to make game hardware, you know? And it's, it's kind of like, okay, they had success with PS1, but now some of that success is starting to go to their head. So, like, when the PS2 comes out, to me, it felt like we want to get DVD players into your homes, you know? Like we we actually care more about DVD players than we do games. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's I, I get what you're saying. I mean, it was such a huge thing, and and, and history is going to kind of repeat itself again later on because right? I know where this is headed. But right, but yeah, I mean, it was I, it was exciting. But you're right. You know, going back, we have to keep referencing the Dreamcast conversation because not only did people hold out the year because of the PlayStation name and brand. People were all and, and the backwards compatibility, but people were also saying, "Well, when I get a PlayStation Two, I can also use it as my DVD player." Which I'll be honest, one of the reasons I got my PS Two when I got it—I didn't get it when it first came out. I think it was like about a year or so afterwards. Um, I got it because of the DVD player mostly, because mm. I wasn't totally enamored by the game selection. But I wanted a DVD player at that point because you know it's it's what you have to remember at, at this at this moment in time. DVD is not a sure thing at all. DVD is one of these new formats. Uh, DVD was having this big fight with a different format called DivX, which I forgot you about kind that. of yeah you you go to like Circuit City was I think the main store behind it. You pay like four or five bucks for a disc. Take it home. You can play it for like forty-eight hours, and then it's just it, you're supposed to just throw it away. God, I totally was, forgot. I completely forgot about. Yeah. It. Who the hell did that? Who did Divix? Well, I know Circuit City was one of the companies. Oh, I see. It. Like supporting it. Yeah. Wow. Because um, I think they were the main retailer. Mm. But so you know, there was just still concern about like, is DVD really going to catch on? Are companies going to go for DVD? A lot of companies are like, no, nah, we're still just going to do VHS, and that's all we care about. You know, so the the, the PS2 was instrumental in getting dvd into a lot of homes so it was it was really big for that but like i said i think to some level some of us were worried that sony's you know desire to to have their chosen format win was coming at the detriment of their focus on gaming and the ps2 launches with a ridiculously laughable selection of games uh, I would say that's I, true I for because J- J- I, I well I did almost I almost did both launches I did I believe it came out March of two thousand in Japan if I'm not mistaken I got mine April of two thousand and then uh, US got it October two thousand yeah so yeah, yeah I mean the, here's the deal the only thing I got with it from Japan was Tekken Tag Tournament and then 
the U.S. launch I thought was pretty respectable. I didn't think it was, was good it really as the Dreamcast, but I didn't think the U.S. launch of the PS2 was that bad. I mean, I remember like the only real early PS2 game I remember actually caring about was SSX. Oh, well, good, well you got a good yeah. There was SSX. That was a big one at the time. Before they drove that series in the ground. Yeah, I love that. that so now there is fun. a series that, if handled a bit better, that that should that's a series that should still exist regularly. Like I don't want to say every year, and I know they did one. I think in 2012 or whatever. But yeah, that's like the extreme. Yeah, but like, what were actually, the, the best ones? Were what one and three? Is that right? Well, I no, I you know I kind of liked two. I mm. mean, like because because tricky. Well, it's it's weird for me because I think I think I didn't like three because one I loved, I loved one, and then two kind of just refined one a little bit. But I'm trying to get wait or was tricky was was tricky part? Three? I thought tricky oh. came after it because I thought because that's when they changed. Yeah, I I could have sworn tricky. Was... Right, let me let me let me see because because tricky's the other one I liked. Um, and no, no, no. Tricky was tricky was two, and then three was three. But I don't remember three so yeah. much. And was that EA big? Yes. Yeah. EA big. Whatever that was. Canada, I think. I'm going off memory. Well, no, I think wasn't that just like when the era, the era, like when a lot of companies wanted to have specific brands. No, you're right, but I, I think I. I'm going off memory. I think that subsidiary. No, yeah, EA, yeah, EA Canada was the developer. Yeah. yeah, but like the EA big label. Yeah, um, like a lot of companies seemed like they wanted to have like different labels for different. Like I know back in the NES days, that was because you just could only release a certain amount of games per year. Right. But I don't know why it came kind of came back in this era. But okay, it's PlayStation Two. I mean, what? <laughs> What can you say about PS2? Oh, you know, it, it, one of one of the greatest systems. Um, you know, I mean, as inter- as as amazing and interesting and groundbreaking as the PS1 was in bringing us like true three dimensional gaming and stuff, it, it it was it was baby steps. You know, whereas the PS2 was where things finally started getting real. Yeah, I have to think. I have to think about this a little bit. I mean, the, the dumbest statement I can make is like off the top of my head, with PlayStation Two. All I know is I just kept buying games for that damn thing. <laughs> I mean, I, I really don't know. As dumb as that sounds, it's like I actually have to bring up a list now. But like, there's so many that I don't even know. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the problem. Is like I don't even know where to begin. Even as many games as we know, like you, you just don't know. You know. Where, where to start? I mean... this That system, though, technically, and I'm looking at my numbers because I have everything listed, that system is my personal record holder for imports. Hmm. Um, and, and it's it's still technically my record holder for system with most games I own, although, and I, and I don't know how this happened, PS3 is creeping up on that. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, when we get to PS3, but, like, but PlayStation yeah. Two still, as of, as of this recording, the record holder for number of games I've got, my import selection. Um, no, well, here I, I, it's just throwing darts at a board. Here, one of my favorite games of all time. We were discussing Bayonetta earlier, but the the forefather to it, the original Devil May Cry. I want to say the original Devil May Cry was the first time with the PlayStation console. I remember I imported that. That was the first game I think on the system that blew me away. 
Mm. was Devil May. I just I couldn't Devil May Cry, and I don't think I've ever gushed about Devil May Cry on the air. That was the first time I played a 3D game that had the speed of 2D for me. I couldn't believe it. It was Devil May Cry felt like I mean you you'd say okay all these pieces I know like all of these ideas I've seen before but I've never played a game that felt like this. Like it was it was you know what I would say is it's it's one of those games where you felt like a 2D game had come to life in 3D. That's exactly it. I I didn't think it could be done and it ha- I think a lot of people were trying to achieve that and I felt Devil May Cry was the game that achieved it. And I still don't think there are many games besides Bayonetta and maybe even the Ninja Gaiden 1 and 2. There really aren't that many games that have achieved that since. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm just looking at this this list here, just going down to some stuff that I own. You know, Metal Gear Solid 2, we talked about gushing over the MGS1 video that you saw at the offices. It was groundbreaking. Uh, this, I believe, I did say on the last episode. I'm going to say it again. When I saw the world debut trailer for Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty down at E3, I knew it was over for the Dreamcast. Yeah, and... and- no, it's funny we were talking about Nick, Nick before because I think I think you've seen that video I posted on Twitter yes. before, where where it was an E three video of the Metal Gear Solid two trailer, and Nick's actually in it, which is his <laughs> and it was like his mouth open like oh my god, and it's it's so funny because that trailer is is like the Metal Gear Solid one trailer. You're seeing things that you don't understand how they're possible. You're like, how does a video game play like this? Like, I don't, I don't get this. You know, how can a game be this cinematic? How can a game be this deep? How can I, you know, you're watching Solid Snake like shooting the bottles. Yeah, off the I bar. mean, the the amount of destruction or breakable items you on know. screen, the amount of soldiers on screen, the lighting, the smoothness to the character models. Uh, I'm I'm out of hyperbole and hype on this when I saw that trailer like I couldn't believe it right but what what then is is to me almost even more amazing is Metal Gear Solid 2 is one of the biggest like bait and switches you've ever seen in gaming and and you it's I mean, I, do, I don't know that a company could even get away with this anymore. This it's a, it's I mean, a feat that still stands. I agree to this. Day. I don't think anyone has ever been blindsided like that uh, since. Or, or, or I mean, I mean to, to be fair, Mr. Kojima did it again with, with PT to a smaller Oh, degree. okay. Yeah, okay. In the demo world. Yeah, I, I think that'll go down as one of the greatest demos of all time. But just having a game where... Everything you've seen of it is is like the f- the first. Third yeah, it's like the prologue, the almost like that's not what you're going to be right. spending the bulk of your time playing it. And the entire game after that is not what you bought. <laughs> and I mean, I don't say that necessarily in a bad no. way, but I, I it was it was shocking. It was shocking that 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 you would try that. It was shocking that Konami would allow that. It was shocking that just. I mean that somebody would even like think about doing something like that, and I, 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 as much as I probably was was annoyed by it on some level back at that point, I also just have to give him so much props for that because that that to me is just really 
this joy of game creation that so many developers and publishers just can't delve into at any point. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't even know where to go on that except, you know, and I, I, I kind of like the Raiden character at the time. I really love the Raiden character in Revengeance, that style that... I liked, I liked, to be fair, I liked Raiden at the time. I mean, I, I can understand because his whole conversation with, like, Rose, for example, were just kind of, okay, I get it at a certain point, you know, but... I think they chalk him up as, like, a whiny butt or whatever, but, you know, I also think there's a lot of people that think it's kind of cool to hate on the Raiden character from that now just because a lot of people have, have said, felt, said that or said it out loud. But, you know, I remember right. playing through it at the time. I don't really remember having any issues with Raiden himself, I think. And I kind of thought it was cool at the time, but if there was anything to say about Metal Gear Solid 2, there were so many twists, turns, reversals, backstabs. You don't know what the hell you're looking at, what's reality versus not. By the end of that game that, I mean, whoa. I mean, your head is spinning, uh, and and I yeah, and I, I think that's part of the problem too. Was that it? Just I think it it just did so much in the game. <laughs> I don't know why my perverted mind thought of this. I mean, that game had so much weird stuff. There was even a spot towards the end on the the um, what do you call it the the Soliton radar, the map on screen that goes with you. Like I even remember there was like even a little clip of like a. Japanese bikini model like footage playing in that screen and I mean there was there was so much ridiculous stuff going on in that game the colonel going nuts or like the skeleton view of him and oh my god I yeah. mean but I don't know I think as a gamer I eat all that stuff up I think if you're judging it if you're trying to make it like a from an artistic point of view or like a Hollywood caliber like are you judging it on its you know, the substance that's there and critiquing it in that way, you know, I think people will hate it. But I think the gamer in me was just kind of like, God, I can't believe they're doing all this stuff in a game. You know? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it, 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 it really felt like one of these things that was just so much bigger than life. <laughs> and just so, so many little things. And, like, you, you never really knew if, if you'd seen and done everything in it. And... <laughs> Uh, an ama an amazing moment, and a game that no matter what, no matter how much hate people spew on that game for the character or the way it played out, that game was pivotal in. Uh, that game was pivotal in getting people to hold off on buying another system. Oh yeah, no, no, I mean, yeah, I there, there's no question that um, Metal Gear Solid Two, like you said, it, that that was where you're like, okay, the Dreamcast is just done. yeah. Dreamcast is just done. This is the start of, you know, a a an ascent that no other system is going to be able to catch up to. Because at that at that point, you know, we was I think we were still in in an era where the, uh, you know, the the cross platform third party game wasn't a common thing per se. Right. You know, if if. If Metal Gear Solid 2 came out on the PlayStation, you really didn't expect it to come out on the Xbox. I mean, if, if, you, if you think back, Grand Theft Auto, which we'll have to talk about as well, obviously, Grand Theft Auto didn't come out on the Xbox until much later as a pack. You know, so like like GTA was a was a PlayStation franchise. There were all these games that were PlayStation franchises, and possibly a later date, 
there might be an Xbox version or there might be a GameCube version for the most, but the most part though, like I feel like a lot of games, I mean, you have, of course, you know, your Maddens or your Tony Hawks or things like that. But I think there were just so many games that still, you know, we, we weren't in the era of expecting everything to be PlayStation and Xbox. Right. Final Fantasy was still synonymous at that time with the PlayStation platform since leaving SNES. Well, you bring up a very good point, and I'll let you introduce it or whatever if you want. I mean, you mentioned Grand Theft Auto, and, uh, I, you know, I was never like a big... I was familiar with the series, never a big fan, but I remember a lot of people talking about... Well, I'll let you introduce it. So there was another pivotal moment in PlayStation 2's lifespan, and one that's changed gaming really since then and can still be felt today and as recent as the remaster last week. Yeah, I mean... GTA was like that was a phenomenon that I mean you know I mean because if you played the first two GTA yeah, games no, number three for the record GTA three yeah uh, the first two were like okay this is kind of interesting it's kind of open worldy you're going around you're stealing cars you're doing crazy stuff but you know it's not that big of a deal but GTA three comes along and it's like it's it's this living breathing world is what you feel like. And it's it's this open world sandbox that wasn't really a genre that had been established at that point. And you can play the game, sure, or you can just do around go around and do crazy things, you know? You can see like how much trouble you can cause before the police get you. You can just go pick a fight with somebody running on the street. You can just, just go steal a car and drive around and race people and stuff. Like there's like so many things you can do that that it just it's it's this kind of you know when when you get Shenmue right when you get a game like Shenmue like you feel like there's this promise of this is this gigantic world where you can go and do and see anything and it really isn't you know it's it's very limiting in the areas you can explore the things you'll be doing the activities you can participate in you know they have like okay you can go to an arcade or you can go to the capsule machine or you can pet a cat you know they have like these very specific kind of things you can do gta felt it, it wasn't to be clear it wasn't but gta 3 felt like you could almost just go do anything you know that like, like there's there's no rules there's no limits it's just like we've put all these pieces of a game together just play them how you want to play them and said it's it's just crazy how gigantic that series became from that one game. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I'm I'm not the spokesperson for Grand Theft Auto because it was never really my thing, per se. But in terms of gaming history and people I know, I remember when Grand Theft Auto 3 came out and I didn't buy it and I've never owned it. Uh, I just I remember a lot of people talking about it, though, like whether it be from the soundtrack perspective or what you're able to do. And, the, and while the theory of the carjackings and looting had existed previously in the series... It was never done to the extent in terms of the the reality, the 3D versus the overhead, you know, distant viewpoint. So I remember a lot of people talking about it and it was hard for me to wrap my head around it because I was a fan of Shenmue and everything you've stated is fact. Uh, My issue speaking for myself was that I liked the flavor, the character design, the Virtua Fighter-esque combat in 
Shenmue, a lot of the you know the the stuff like that, especially Shenmue Two. I love not to get off on a Shenmue rant. So for me, and even to this day, I always prefer the Shenmue style and the setting. But that's not what we're here to talk about on this. You know, Grand Theft Auto Three left its mark for better or worse. And it's still like one of gaming's hottest properties, if not the hottest property. But Grand Theft Auto 3 on PlayStation 2 was really what shot it to the moon. Well, and of course, I mean, you know, you know, talking about uh, Shenmue, Shenmue obviously leads to Yakuza. Yes. Which, which isn't a PS2. And which almost takes a lot of those ideas of what Shenmue was trying right. to do and takes them down a different kind of road. Right. So. That is a good point. That came later in its cycle. I forgot about that. It's funny. Yeah. The only Shenmue I really don't own that's been uh, translated is the first one because that one, I believe, only had the English dub. For Yakuza or Shenmue? Uh, Yakuza. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. I remember getting into it with that's, two. That, that makes sense. I think that's that what, makes yeah. sense. But no, you're right. That kind of picked up the baton. Uh, for that style from Shenmue to Yakuza. The only reason why I'm not doing backflips and I'm not giddy over it is because I'm a little worried that they're starting to run that series into, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I, I, I like anything. like anything these days. Right. You can't just release a couple of games <laughs> and, and leave it at that. Um, so, I mean, so I'm, I'm just going through this. I'm looking through this list here and just thinking of some of the games that we should you know uh mention so like looking through you've got some games that i'm i'm not necessarily a, a huge fan of but that became gigantic series you know you you've got kingdom hearts yeah of course which which is this which starts off as this bizarre ridiculous idea <laughs> on the part of square right to to bring together final fantasy and disney but somehow it works and somehow it becomes this just humongous franchise that people around the world love and you never know why uh god of war of course is, is, a, is a big game that comes out of this this era um still a really really big game for for sony i mean getting some of the games that i i, I liked you have you know okami you have final fantasy 10 which was a great more classic Final Fantasy, a visual tour de force. How yes. about that? And then you have Final Fantasy twelve, which I just love so much, and had such a different feeling, more like the Vandal Heartsy kind of feeling, or Final Fantasy Tactics kind of feeling. This kind of mixing MMOs with the traditional Final Fantasy RPG. Uh, of course, you have Silent Hill two, which many still consider to be the the best Silent Hill game ever released. You have another fantastic horror series that comes out, Fatal Frame, and and Fatal Frame Two, which I think is still my favorite chapter of the series. Um, I know this is kind of a mixed opinions a lot of times with people, but Star Ocean till the end of time, loved that game. One of one of Triace's many RPGs that they release. Um, I'll throw in real quick one of my favorite all time sure. games, Zone of the Ender, Second Runner. Zone of the Enders. One of one of when Konami still remember to release games other than Metal Gear. Yeah, you know? right, that's. <laughs> uh, you had Guitar Man. 
which was just this really cool how was that game. i never bought it but i remember seeing oh, I loved it. it was good yeah it's really really good really good and you know speaking of like the bizarre games you had namco bandai release this weird little 1999 game called katamari damasi i'll I'll throw you a little bit of a hook here okay we were gushing about mgs1 and 2 for what they did in terms of their their the the marketing the exposure getting people hooked in and then mgs2 kind of you know maybe not doing what the game player had wanted in the end but I will tell you, arguably one of the one of the greatest installments of Metal Gear did happen on PlayStation Two, and that was Metal Gear Solid Three. And I've never played that. Oh, really? Nope. Yeah, it's uh, that one. Uh, yeah, I don't want to get off on a Metal Gear rant. I, I think when you take everything into consideration, if you're a fan, in my opinion, I think MGS Four is like does everything and, and does it well. But if you don't take that, like if you take that out of it. I think an argument can be made for MGS3. Yeah, mm. it's 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 excellent. Um, let's see. You have of course Vanillaware, which they, you know, oh, this God, is Oh god, yeah. How, I mean, wow. Yeah, this is a company that, like we remember back from the days of Saturn and stuff with like Princess Crown and things like that. So now you've got Odin Sphere, you've got Grim Grimoire. Uh, did they have like one other PS2 game, or were those the two big ones? Because mm, I, th- I know I know Muramasa was right. right. That was v- yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I think those were so the two big ones. Yeah, so maybe the two big ones. Um, you have the Burnout series, which I actually had a lot of fun with, like this kind of like cool party game of yeah. That had its moment. Stuff. That's true. Yeah. I knew a lot of people that were into that. You had some really awesome artsy Sony Japan releases in the pairing of Eco and Shadow of the Colossus. Right. Many people would consider art. Stu- two games Two games that I think would end up being a lot better played on the PS3 later, but still for their time, just like fantastic. Like if, if I think that, you know, for anybody who loves anime uh, and anybody who are Studio Ghibli fans, like if I think these games were the closest that I would ever say we got to having kind of what a Hayao Miyazaki game would be. How about this? Uh, I, I'm going off memory again. I think a game, the first to reach a million sales on PlayStation 2. How about the Onimusha series? Onimusha? Yeah. Yep. Again, back when Capcom also knew how to you know, <laughs> release a variety of stuff. I'm just looking at this list. I mean, there were so many. Uh... Um, of course, near and dear to my heart, you have a string of fantastic Atlas, Shin Megami Tensei games. You have Digital Devil Summoner 1 and 2. You have the Raido Kuzunoha games, which kind of gives more of a um, Resident Evil or, or Parasite Eve-esque twist on the Megami Tensei series. You have, of course, Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne. Um, and then nobody you know, can forget Persona 3 and Persona 4. Like, the, the, the Persona releases that bring a series back that hadn't seen a game for a while and not only revive that series, but become this insane hit for the company. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm staying quiet here, but I mean, I've, I've said it so many times. Uh, I mean, I've said it to you, to your face. I've said it on the recordings. Uh, Persona 3, I mean, and then Persona 4 just blew me away. Just having zero expectations, not being that familiar with the series. Certainly familiar with it by name, but not really knowing much about it. But ever since giving Persona a, a 3 a shot after your review, it's kind of funny because, you know, the go-to RPG out of instinct to always mention to people or from the from Japan is always like, you know, you say Final Fantasy or Dragon Quest. But, but I think the series that I would mention first, present day, if someone was getting into these or wanted to give a JRPG a shot, uh, I think the first series out of my mouth would be Persona. No, I mean, because it's funny because these days, like, I feel like Persona has more life and more interest in it for me than, than Final Fantasy certainly does. And... I think Dragon Quest has started to take some kind of weird turns. Like I just, I just don't even know where to expect the next Dragon Quest to be, you know. Um, and I think the MMO route was peculiar for that series. You know, Final Fantasy I can kind of understand, but yeah, I, th- I think Dragon Quest should just stick to the tra- the traditional aspect that super duper hardcore old school because I think that's what all their fans want. Right. I, I mean, that's it's. You know, we're always complaining about needing innovation and, and to change up things, and maybe we can give Dragon Quest a pass, so to speak, for their fans, because they've always been of that cloth. But Final right. Fantasy has always been known to to try different things every every iteration, so it does make more sense for them, like you're saying. Um, I, I think the and, and I'm very excited for Final Fantasy 15, and even if just for the tech alone, but. Persona 3 and 4, which admittedly they've been milking. I actually think Persona is very lucky recently because they've gone into dangerous territory of numerous spin-offs and remasters, and they haven't tripped. And that's the thing, is is I, I'm not going to sit here and say that Atlas isn't guilty of milking that franchise at this point, but the one the, the thing I will say in their defense is that if there is a company I trust to do stuff like that, it's Atlas. And so far, um, the, the fighting game was something I've always wanted. So I was super happy to see that. Uh, Persona Q is a fantastic game and, and does not feel like, um, you know, if we talk about the Wii being two GameCube duct t- taped together, you know, uh, Persona Q is not two franchises duct taped together. It 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 feels like a legitimate Persona game that just took some influences from one of its uh, sister sister series. Uh, and you know, I am I am I love rhythm games, so I am looking forward to dancing all night. But I do think that's the that's the one place where I am a little worried, especially when they said recently that they had to kind of go back and and rework the game somewhat. You know, I think if, if anywhere it's going to be like, mm, maybe, maybe shouldn't have done this. It's going to be that game. <laughs> right. And I do think I do think they need to be careful. I think at this point, you know what? Don't don't make any more P3 or P4 related games. Well, they still have that dancing one coming, don't they? Yeah, that's what I was just saying. They're like it's, it, that, that, that's the one where I think that they might that if, if they're going to trip up anywhere, that's going to be the place that they're going to do it. I think you see. Well. I, I hope that's not the case. I mean, the soundtracks provided by that series are certainly A+, plus, so hopefully that's not where they, they yeah. fumble. Yeah. Uh, amidst all this gushing, last episode, this episode, singing the praises of Sony, PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, I'm going to throw a little 
another curveball amidst this conversation. PlayStation 2, amidst all this love, is also home to my personal most disappointing sequel possibly in gaming for me. Oh, what's that? And it was import only. Okay. Thunder Force 6. Mmm. I had such high hopes for that. And funny enough, I don't know where this poll took place, and I don't know if it was complete BS. The source I'll give you, it was reported on the Magic Box, and this was several years ago, whenever Thunder Force 6 came out. You sometimes read about the awards from Japan, like, I don't know, top graphics, biggest selling franchise or sequel, all that kind of stuff. Right. I had never seen this category before, and this was just written on the page, so I didn't, I don't, I didn't see a scan or anything. But as voted that year, the most disappointing sequel, as voted by the Japanese, and I had to laugh because I thought the same thing, was Thunder Force 6. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how big of a Thunder Force fan you were. It, certainly, its height was Thunder Force 3 and 4 in the Sega Genesis. 5 wasn't bad, which was also on PlayStation and, and Saturn. I uh, never got to play the Saturn version, unfortunately. But Thunder Force 6, whoa, was I... That was upsetting. Yeah, I... I um, my my limit to the game series was, you know, getting Thunder Force 2 on the Genesis and being very, very confused as to where part one was. Uh, you know... Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like wait, the Thunder Force Two. Where's where's the first Thunder Force at? And why I've never heard of this. And then I, um, part three was the was a side score, right? Uh yes, yeah, because two, yeah, two had some of those all those freeway like up down left right spots, and then right, yeah, yeah. So I I think I played part three as well, and that's kind of like my extent of. Thunder oh wow, well, I, I didn't know that. Oh, that's interesting. Because wasn't three the one where you could like pick which which planet? You yeah, you go like to? The, the first four yeah. or five areas. Four did the same. It was actually known as Lightning Force here. Yes, but uh, yes. yeah, that was very that was a that was a tragedy. So I have to throw that in there on the PlayStation Two love there. Uh, well, you know, I mean, I also have to say, you know, given one of our earlier podcasts, the PS Two ends up becoming a fantastic place for SNK games. Yes. For collection packs because and whatnot. you get tons of collection packs, like collection packs that don't even make sense. Like we get Art of Fighting collection pack. We get the World Heroes collection pack, you know, hotly anticipated by nobody. But, um, you know, I mean, the, the problem was the, the SNK Classics collection pack was not the best produced game in the world. Like it had some slowdown and some loading issues and stuff. Uh, but, you know, the, the Sam Show pack was was great from what i remember of it um you also get the ultimate versions of king of fighters 98 and 2002 which are the best two versions of king of fighters oh that's right you know, yeah i think i downloaded those on xbla uh, oddly i didn't i never got the ps2 versions did uh did ps2 ever get the last blade collection like i don't mm, know if they did i want to say no on that yeah, I, I don't they I re- I don't think so. Um, PS2 gets a Fire Pro Wrestling, like one of the last real classic Fire yeah, Pros. Yeah, was it X? Is that right? I can't remember. W? <laughs> X? D. D. No, no D, D was Dreamcast. Dreamcast. Six Man Scramble Saturn. D's Dreamcast. 
Maybe it is just yeah. X. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, that was like one of the fun parts. Oh, you know, I forgot. About- they did do the America. I'm looking at my list. And I'm like, God, I don't even remember. This is so pathetic. I'm like, I own Fire Pro Wrestling. That's right, because they did late in the game. They did bring one here the Amer- uh, in English. I was going to say. So, yeah, Fire Pro came out during the kind of the late era of the PS2. And one of the fun parts about the PS2 lasting so long and having the, the install base it did was even late in the game, it still made sense to release a lot of these really crazy titles. And a lot of them came out for $19, right. $14, $10. So that's when like a lot of the SNK packs came out. That's when Fire Pro came out um, for, for really great prices. You know, Now, of course, you probably could never find them again. One that I missed that I did pick up on PSP, but I regret not getting on PS2 was the Metal Slug Collection Pack. Right. Do you have that one? I don't. Yeah. I know I have the SNK Pack. I know I have King of Fires 98. <clears throat> I have, I think, uh, Battle Coliseum. That was, yes, that was actually, uh, I actually thought that was pretty good. It had a little bit of, of, of uh, slowdown, that, from what I remember. You're talking Neo Geo Battle Coliseum? That one yeah. I own an import on, but I, if I remember correctly, that's when there was that little kind of head-to-head between that and Capcom Fighting Jam. Right. And I totally right. thought, I'm like, oh, Capcom Fighting Jam is going to be so much more quality because it's just Capcom and, and, <laughs> and SNK was kind of in that lull, reusing sprites a ton and this and that. Well, let me tell you what. Capcom Fighting Jam was an embarrassment. And Neo Geo Battle Coliseum shockingly had like new sprites, new yeah, backgrounds, yeah. and I thought it was really, really decent. I thought it was good. And, uh, and this is just hitting me now, memories, that even had a normal-sized drawn Marco for Metal Slug, which was kind of interesting to see instead yes, of the, it did. the chibi, yes. super deformed style. Yep, yep. I'll throw kind of a random one here, and it was a game I believe that was supposed to come stateside and never did. Uh, and I remember playing it a lot, an import only, Akira Psycho Ball Pinball. Oh, I didn't, I didn't even the, know Yeah, that was that. good. Um, I think I'm in the minority in early game that I felt wasn't that bad was the bouncer. Yeah, that was like one of those like games where... Just it seemed again like it was like Metal Gear Solid, right? You see it and like you're like, how is this a game? I don't know how I'm playing this. And then you get it and you're like, oh, yeah. it's it's not really a game. Okay, I don't know, but you know, you know, there was like, you know, I think on on my side of that, I loved Rule of Rose. Um, terrible game in terms of gameplay. <laughs> I think you, I think you might have discussed that on Warning in the past. I don't think I owned yeah. it, but. But I absolutely well, and you won't now because it's too expensive. But I loved Rule of Rose, um, you know, just because it had like this atmosphere and story and characters and everything. Because like, funny, I'm trying to. I don't have glasses. I lost my glasses. I'm trying to see across the room which games I have on my shelves. I know I have a lot of the. Um, I'm really big into like the Romance of the Three Kingdoms and Nobunaga's Ambition and stuff like that. Um, so I have a number of those games for the PS2. Oh, two games I love. Uh, the Japanese Z series is like Zetai Zetsume. It's um, Raw Danger and Disaster Report. Oh, okay. The, yeah, the first game's where 
uh, there's a gigantic earthquake that hits the city, and you have to survive the earthquake. And the second game is the city is flooding, and you have to survive the flood. So it's kind of like survival games. Mm. So, it's, so like the first game gets weird at the end because all some people are shooting at you and stuff, and you don't really understand why. The second game is much more just straight up like survival. So it's more just about like what you would do in the midst of a disaster like that. Did um, you enjoy it? Oh yeah, I mean they're 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 kind of you know C C grade Japanese games. You know where where you're like, man, this developer. Like they're just good enough. They're like with the the budget. Yeah, they're just good enough. But you're like, man, you really wish this developer had a better game engine and more resources and more money and stuff like that. Mm. And unfortunately, so the part three came out on PSP, which we never got, and then the fourth was going to hit PS3, but that it was going to hit like the week after the the big. Fukushima disaster. Oh wow! In Japan, yeah, and yeah. Irem was a developer, and instead of pushing it back, they're just like, "We are just trash." Didn't they the do? Game. They did a statement on their site or something, didn't they? Yep. Yeah, yeah. And the game, the game was completely wow. done, and so we just we will never exist again, which really broke my heart. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, like, I, the, the the fun thing about the fun thing about PS2, I think, even more so in the PS1, and it's one of the reasons why I kind of end up liking the DS in a way, but I mean, DS was never close as, 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 as good as this. The PS2 was a system where you had all these absolutely gigantic hits. You had the God of War, you had Metal Gear Solid 2, you had Gran Turismo, you had, you know, uh, whatever else. Um, then you had the middle ground. You had tons and tons of games in the middle ground. You know, like the games like the Fatal Frames or, or, or the Personas or the Burnouts or Ico or Shadow of the Colossus or whatever, you know. And then you had the, the really crazy weird <laughs> games from Japan. You know, like the Guitar Man, like uh, the Vanillaware stuff. Like I like like techno beat or rule of rose or things like that. Just across the board, like no ma- like more so than any other console ever. No matter what you like, it exists for PS2. Like you could you could you could go out today. Like let, let's say that you went you had the ability to find whatever game you wanted to find. You know, I mean, obviously at this point it's hard to find games, but I mean, there's still even stores around me that still like big stores that still have brand new PS2 games. Um, you could go to a store, buy a PS2 today, and you could have years and years and years of quality gaming, no matter what genre, no matter what type of game you love. Yeah, and I, you know. Yeah, I got to watch my statements because, you know, we still have PS3 and I do have quite the library on that. But um, uh, I think there was still some life in terms of some innovation or some unique experiences on PS3 as well. But, like, I don't know if it's just taken a while to get the juices flowing, this this uh, new generation we're on now with Xbox One and PS4. I know they're just hitting their one-year anniversaries. Wii U just turned two. But... 
like I feel like there's just so much repeat, repeat, repeat. But just going down this memory lane right now on PlayStation 2, and, and I dare say we'll even get into a bit on PS3. There's just, so, like you said, there's so many different experiences. There, there's something for everyone. And right now, where we're at, in my opinion, in, in consoles, uh, I don't think there's not something for everyone right now. Well, and I, and I think I think too. Part of it is, um, I think PS2 was the last generation before budgets, before yes teams, where that became a really big factor in terms of creating yeah bef- the multi million before all those things really started spiraling out of control. Because if if you look, if I mean, if you look at some of the PS4 games coming out from Japan right now. If you look at some of the Vita games coming out from Japan, a lot of them, not all of them, but at least some of them still look like PS2 games. You know, you're like, these games could still be done on the PS2 at this point. I, I, I think that was I think that was the last real time where um, you could have a smaller team, you could have a smaller budget, and you could compete with the big guys. I mean, obviously, obviously you know, tiny little RPG over here never gonna if never gonna truly compete with Final Fantasy ten or Final Fantasy twelve, right? But you know, if you're at this point, if you're like an idea factory, if you're NIS, if you're, you know, some of these smaller developers, how how do you compete with Final Fantasy fifteen? You know? How how do you compete with uh Dragon Age and Well the the top tier Western companies have really blown the budgets out of the water and and your top tier Japanese which are you know struggling you know like Square and even Capcom maybe a little bit like they have to put forth like what you see in Final Fantasy 15 or these multi-year projects to hang in there with the big boys of the west and it's tough because I don't think that's always necessary I mean we can break this down more simply like if you can get a good camera in your game, because I think the Japanese, you and I have discussed this sometimes, still have an issue with that. You know yeah. you know what? With yeah. your artistic prowess and your artistic direction, if you just go back to the fundamentals of something controlling good, you know, obviously maybe not something that you don't want something as simplistic as maybe on your iPhone if, if you're playing it on a console, but you can go back to those basics. As long as you got a good camera and spot-on control – you can get a little bit more creative, I think, with with your artistic direction, and, and not have to compete with your Call of Duties and and FF15s and Grand Theft Autos and what have you. You know what I mean? Sure, I I think so, but I think the problem is they don't have to compete for people like us. But I think more and more they're losing the casual player. They're losing the other oh. players. I I you know I I think I think PS2 was the last real era where. Somebody just wanting a game could, you know, though those those smaller Japanese projects could still stand toe to toe with like the Western developed games because the the playing field was still even enough. And I think, especially hitting on the PS3 and getting worse now, that's where just the the equality starts just getting really unbalanced, and and more and more casual fans just start moving away from Japanese gaming because there's just such a difference in quality. And at that point, Japanese companies, I think, have to 
target their hardcore market more and more and by doing so get away mm. from the casuals even mm. more you know i said i i, I like katamari damasi to me when it came out that wasn't a japanese game it was just this really crazy game that came out that people were trying and playing you know um uh just like i said i mean like i, I think rpgs are a good example or sports games are a good example or racing games or whatever you know uh a Japanese racing game could still be just as, as popular and compete just as well against American racing games. And I mean, you know, Grand Turismo still does, but that's kind of like one of the exceptions. Whereas now you have, you know, companies like uh, Microsoft with Forza and these couple of other companies that really specialize in that stuff. And you've now got to spend just so much money rendering these cars, so much money on car sounds, so much money on how the handling works and everything. That just you, you can't you can't be a smaller company and compete with that um, for those casual fans. You either have to really specialize and really go after a, a niche market, or I think you're going to kind of just screw yourself by trying to be a, a, a small fish in a big mm. pond. That's so. kind of depressing. Yeah. Well, speaking of depressing, PlayStation Three. Sony, Sony on 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 all this PS2 love, all the hundred and I don't know what is that now, hundred and twenty some, hundred and thirty some uh, million worldwide sales. Of the PS2, they are feeling like they are Superman. You know, like nothing can stop them. Uh, no bullet, no no bad guy, no human being. Not nothing can get in their way. So. Ken Kutaragi, the father of the PS2, he he goes just nutso with the PS3. He's got this big plan for it. They got this this new cell processor that is even more complex and even more even harder to program for than the PS2 ever was. And the architecture is just super crazy uh, complicated. And Sony again wants to push a a media format. This time it's Blu-ray instead of DVD. So, Sony, and oh, I, I, sh- I should find um, these Sony arrogant uh, quotes here, but Sony basically goes into the PlayStation 3 just thinking that there, there's just nothing. So here, okay, so here, here are some quotes for you. Uh, so we've, we have... PlayStation 3, you will see, will be far and away the winner when you look at it by March 2008. (laughs) They really, really will. It's something that is going to be a slow burner, and suddenly it's like a tsunami. It will just overtake you. That was David Reese. Uh, Phil Harrison says, I believe that 6-axis controller offers game designers and developers far more opportunities for the future than Rumble ever did. Now, Rumble, I think, was a last-generation feature. Uh, those are DS quotes, so we won't go into those. Uh, Ken Kutaragi on the price, you know, so Sony gets on stage and announces the system's going to be 599 US dollars. Uh, Ken Kutaragi says, it's probably too cheap. Wow. Um, Jack Trenton uh, at the PS3 launch says, 
If you can find a PS3 anywhere in North America that's been unshelled for more than five minutes, I'll give you 1200 bucks for it. Uh, David Reese again says, the first five million are going to buy it, speaking of the PS3, whatever it is, even if it doesn't have any game. Who said that? David oh, Reese. these are amazing quotes. I mean, I, either I've forgotten some of these or... Uh, Sony Chief Corporate Advisor Nobuyuki Idea says, uh, Microsoft does not concern us. Microsoft is a technology company. Uh, Phil Harrison says, if you buy a three, PS3, he says, the PlayStation 3 is a computer. We do not need the PC. Ken Kutaragi says, uh, I believe that we made the most beautiful thing in the world. Uh, and, and he also says, the th- Xbox 360 is more of an Xbox 1.5 than a next generation wow. console. Ken Kutaragi also says, did you see the movie The Matrix? Same interface, same concept. Talking about the PS3's online capabilities. So remember that. The, the, the PS3 is going to have the same online interface as the Matrix mm. did. Uh, Ken Kudaragi says, PS3 is 4D. F- 4D. Well, this is amazing. Uh, talking about if PS3 would have backward compatibility. I would like my car to fly and make me breakfast. But that's an unrealistic expectation. Um, Ken Kudaragi again... This time, Microsoft has stated clearly that it is going after PlayStation. However, they're, they're going not after the PS3, but the PS2. They were looking at two, and that's why Xbox 360 became like it is. Uh, Ken Guduragi again, because this guy's just full of great quotes. Um, we, we're not going to equip the PS3 with a hard drive by default, because no matter how much capacity we put into it, it won't be enough. Uh, just, I mean, it goes on and on. Like, it, there, there's just so many things. I'm getting ready to pre-order and one. I know, right? <laughs> uh, uh, Kazurai says, It's difficult to talk about Nintendo because we don't look at their console as being a competitor. Um, there, there was of course the one about the jobs. Like, there's got to be a job one on here, right? Where, where he says, "Well, that uh, that's the he, quote I always remember is, if it's too expensive yeah. or whatever, you just get a second part time job or just get work uh, work extra to come up with the money." Is that the one? Uh, that's the one I always remember. Okay. Yeah, basically, like, um, just just people. Uh, let's see, here it is. I, I uh. For consumer, he he. This is what he wanted. One of his goals for PS3. One of his goals was for consumers to think to themselves, "I will work more hours to buy one." We want people to feel that they want it, irrespo- irrespective of anything that's, else. Now that's the one I, I distinctly remember. Yes. Yeah. And uh, you know, <laughs> um, of course, I, I don't know. If, did you ever? There was. Um, a website called UK Resistance. I, I know that name. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they were they were big Sony fans and and I mean Sega fans and boy, their their bashing of of Sony during this point was just amazing because there was just so much, you know, quality. Well, they had so much. Yeah, they, they had oh. so much to pick on it at at that point. Let's see. There, there's a few other good ones here. Um, 
The current Xbox will become antiquated once the new machine comes out this November. <laughs> when it happens, the Xbox will be king itself. Um, oh, that's not actually that interesting. Uh, if you consider the PlayStation a toy, then yes, it is an expensive toy. However, it is more than a toy. It is a PlayStation 3. And it is only PlayStation 3. I hope these two understand. Okay, these aren't that exciting. Um, but, so, and, and, and this is, this is, this is also the system that they're showing it's going to have uh, two HDMI outs, right? So that you can play your games on two televisions at the same time. This is a system that's going to have four Ethernet ports in the back of it. So you can use the system as a, a router. Wow. This is a system that, actually when it came out, it still had this. It had memory card slots in the front for like SD cards and and compact yes. flash cards. Yes. Yeah, because my, my, my original PS3 still still has those on it. There was just like they they were they were saying, you know, we're gonna like like the one the quote quote said, we're gonna sell the first five million on just the fact that it's called PlayStation Three. Even if we have no games, we're gonna sell the five first five million just on That's that. amazing. This is what Sony is before the PS3 comes out. And it's I mean, it's it's funny to look at again. It's it's funny because with the PS2, I never thought it would become as big as it did. With the PS3, I never thought it would catch up as much as it did. Yeah, that's a really good way because, to put it. Yeah, because when it first came out, I I boy, I thought that thing was a big gigantic mess. Did did they uh, to jump around on you? Did has PS3 cracked a hundred million yet? Or um, are they north of eighty? They got to be north of good. eighty, because I, I remember them being at seventy. It felt like forever. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. So, but yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's uh, well, it was eighty million as of November of last year. Mm. So I'm not sure mm. where they're at this point. But I know worldwide they are now above the Xbox. Recently. No kidding, huh? Yeah. Now how? Now look, I don't even know why I'm entertaining this, but. If that's the case globally, that they have more than 360, do, do, in your mind, do you feel that they've they've defeated them? It, it, like I, I but it's, the, it's yeah, a but tough. The thing, yeah, because it's okay. I would say I mean because I, I think in this generation, in that generation, uh, I mean the Wii beat both. Right, I think I, the Wii still yes. beat because I think they're over 100 yeah, million. Pro- yeah. um, the problem is like. Going into the into that generation, from what the PS2 was, from what the Xbox was, it, it you know catching up shouldn't have been what happened. Right. So I don't I don't know that you can say they Sony won. It's like Sony just finally you know found some respect for the generation. I I, I think is they they eked out a victory. The, you know this is. This is the the football game where you've been playing like crap and you're down, you know, like 40, 40 to right. nothing, and you get enough scores to come right. back and win forty two yeah, to miracle, nothing. Yeah, but half half those half those touchdowns are just like lucky, right. you know. Uh, I I don't know that that's a game you walk away from uh, that you're, you're you're proud, mm. you know, because there there's no reason they should have lost that much ground to Xbox. Right in that last generation. Hmm. And I mean, I think I didn't, 
it was a while before. I don't know if it was a because I got a P when I got my PS3. It was still where the sixty gigabyte versions were out because when when, it, when the system first hit, there was a sixty gig version and twenty right. gig version, and those two were the only ones that had full PS2 backward compatibility. And the way they did it was they actually just soldered in PS2 hardware, a, a couple different chips. I think it was the Emotion Engine and then one other chip. Um, and so the first batch of systems were the ones that had full compatibility. And I got mine, I think, when it was starting to get to a point where you're like, you better get one now or you're not going to get one of those models. Because when the, I think it was the 80 gig, was the end up replacing it? Yeah, that sounds right. And then they, they pulled the backwards compatibility, and I dare say they removed the card reader slots well, the, and two USB. The, eight, yeah, the 80 gig lost the card reader yeah. slots, but it had partial compatibility because it still had one of the two chips inside it. For but older games? Yes. Real. But the compatibility was run through software. So it could still play some PS2 games? It, it, it couldn't play as many as the original one did, but yeah, it really? could still play some. Yeah. I must have forgotten that. Uh, I didn't want to I, – I apologize. I didn't want to quiz you on that. I'm just curious because I still – I haven't – I got as a gift last year. It's my backup, so to speak. I have uh, the Metal Gear Solid PlayStation 3, and I was mm-hmm. under the impression that all of the backwards compatibility on that for PS2 is probably gone. Yeah, I don't know which one that yeah. that model was, but yeah, it was it was a two step process, oh, wow. uh, or no, I guess three step. What you'd say, so it went from full compatibility to some compatibility mm. to to mm. no compatibility. Um, and yeah, I mean, it just like it's <laughs> that system was a mess, uh, you know. But it would end up being that the mess that was the PS3 would lead to. Sony completely refreshing their idea of how to make hardware. Right. Um, they got rid of Ken Kutaragi. They brought Mark Cerny in to help with the hardware design. They moved the hardware development outside of Sony Japan. Well, no, I don't know. I, I think part of it's still in Sony Japan, but I think Mark, they had outsiders coming right. in basically what, what, what it was. Well, they had more Western influence, you know, and completely turned things back. It's funny. It, it's like cyclical, you know, the PS4 to me feels like the PS1. It's it's that system where Sony's like, okay, we want to make the best. Oh, okay, yeah, from that perspective. Yeah, we want to make the best platform. I mean, obviously, library. We don't yeah, I was going to say, wow, you feel that strong, but I see what you're saying. Mm. Yeah, it's like it's like we want to make in, instead of because PS3 really was back to that Nintendo and Sega mentality of we'll make the hardware and we'll tell you what we're giving mm. you, you know. Whereas PS4, like PS1, was we want to know what you want and try to make a, a platform that will give you the best chance to make games, you know, that you want to make. Right. But okay, I mean, you know, so the hardware is a mess and it, it spends the entire generation uh, with typically the inferior port of games. Yeah, I'd say the first two years were real real tough until the development tools uh, and software caught up to, and not even so much caught up, had to be modified to match a lot of the 360 ports just because of the right. 
way the architecture was set up and for the more PC friendly style of the 360 versus the cumbersome layout of the PS3 with exceptions of genius developers that really knew how to work with the PS3 and think in advance and how to take advantage of what was there thinking way you know laying everything out in advance but that was rare yeah and and I mean you you had um a few times too when the PS3 version of a game was the actual lead platform right. and when you had that typically they were they were they were pretty decently close you know like later on in life but i think still to the end of its life you would still find games where the xbox 360 version was usually the safer one to mm, get right because frame rate would be better uh you know uh there wouldn't be as many graphical glitches or um you know screen tearing or or things like that I mean, it just, it depends, like, for every game, but I think typically, like, right now, I would say if you want the better version, you go with the PS4 version. But with the PS3, it was like, yeah, you probably want the Xbox 360 version. But there were still a lot of great games, both exclusive and non-exclusive. So, like, what were some of your favorite PS3 games? Um, Let's see. Let's let's take a look here. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, well, I don't know if I want to start with that. I, it certainly wouldn't be like one to, you know, I like the Sura's Wrath that was multi-platform. Uh, let's start with this. I would say a game that truly stayed exclusive and I really felt took advantage of the hardware of Metal Gear Solid 4 Guns of the Patriots. Mm. Uh but I don't know. I, I thought it was a tremendous game. The controls on that game for Metal Gear I thought were a, a little bit more like improved and user-friendly for the masses. Um, uh, even the install screen, the install process is really cool with Solid Snake smoking his cigarette and putting it out in his own personal container. I mean, little things like that. I mean, just that game was great. Um I'm just you know I'm I'm trying to look for stuff that wasn't multi-platform per se. I mean yeah I mean for okay well then for me you know I, you mentioned like companies that really knew what to do with the PS3. There there is no bigger example of that than Naughty Dog. You yeah. know I mean there, there there there's no company that gets more out of that hardware than Naughty Dog does, and they come up with this series called Uncharted that I just absolutely adored it, it it was you know like i was never really a big night dog fan before that i just never cared for their their you know i wasn't really a crash fan and then um they did jack and daxter right yeah i, I really enjoyed the original yeah because i always get jack and daxter and then insomniac with Ratchet right. and clank mixed up uh i didn't like any of those but like uncharted really hit for me and uncharted was one of those ones where it was well, let me ask you this were you it, in on uncharted Right from the get-go with the... Oh, you yep. were. Yep. Because I got a demo. For, there was a demo for it when like, it first mm-hmm. hit. And I downloaded it, and I just loved it. And Because to me, that was... You know, you're always looking for the games that are like... Here's the new generation of systems. You know, like, th- this is what games are now. And to me, Uncharted was that. Because it it looked phenomenal. It had a level of motion capture and voice acting that I really hadn't seen in most other games... Um, it just was, it was fresh. It was a brand new IP. 
It wasn't a sequel. It wasn't a remake. It wasn't a rehash. It was something totally new. And I really liked the character. I liked the supporting characters. I liked the story. So, you know, for me, Uncharted was just a super huge deal. And then, of course, like we talked about before, um, that leads Naughty Dog on to do The Last of Us, which, which if Uncharted is one of the first amazing games for the system, The Last of Us is like one of the perfect caps to its life. Yeah, and my brain is all over the place right now because we're shooting through so many years of PlayStation that I didn't even realize. Yeah, I mean we're already at that stage now in the in in the consoles where we're already ready to talk about Last of Us. Yeah, I mean, woof, we just we just blasted yeah. through twenty years there. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Last of Us coming later, um, kind of in the system's life, and then you know it's kind of forgetting that the Last of Us kind of showing the new proper direction arguably of where to take the survival horror genre or what the modern day gamer may be looking for i think you and i still appreciate some of the the old style resident evil style stuff which we see come back in remasters and and different attempts but i really feel the last of us was the first survival horror type title to really take it in the direction that everyone would love and cling to and also equate it to a sales success. Right. You know, I'm, I mean, that yeah. game cleaned house, and, and I would say deservedly so, you know. And I think it also kind of like really, it's a good example of where, you know, because for so long companies have wanted to do cinematic games. And this for that was for me like a great example. This is this is how you actually do cinematic games. You know, it, it's it's not the old ton of ton of cutscenes, a ton of taking controls away from the player. You know, the, the, this was this is how you do storytelling. This is how you do drama and things like that. And, and I will say, and we, not for tonight, but maybe a future potential topic, and maybe fans. Ooh, I just opened my disk drive. Fans can tell us if it's something that they want to hear us flesh out or delve into. You know, The Last of Us also giving glimpses to the opportunity in the game of exploring at times and not having to always worry about getting killed and just taking in the environment, maybe looking at stories to be told through the, uh, whether it be items that are left behind or discussions taking place with two main characters that you care about maybe kind of teasing that games can go in a different direction outside of just blasting everything in sight right yeah no yeah i mean it was it was a great example of that and just that you can have those kind of quieter moments those those cinematics not to max scenes but like just those kind of just conversational scenes um and have them feel meaningful and have them things you don't want to just skip past yeah so that was certainly uh certainly another benchmark moment how about uh we'll throw this one out there at kind of a different end of the spectrum a game that doesn't get talked about very much uh what about valkyria chronicles you know i never i never got into it very much um i mean i played a uh-huh. little bit of it and it's always one of those kind of games i've wanted to play but I just never, I never, like, got it, you know. I always meant to. But there was kind of, like, a, a period of time where I feel like I kind of just missed out on some of the PS3 games. Right. 
I mean, because I, I mean, I didn't come in super, super late. I know it's like a year later or so, but. Oh, yeah, because you didn't get it right away, huh? Mm. Yeah, but I, I, I almost partially kind of feel like it was because I was just. I'm trying to think of when. The PS3, the P, I had the PSP before the PS. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, sure. yeah. PSP came yeah. out like holiday 04, I think, in Japan. If I'm not, yeah. And then PS3 console came out November uh, 06. So I, I kind of feel like maybe part of it was just that I was really enamored with the DS and the right. PSP. And with previous handhelds, I had them, but they were kind of like, okay, this is a interesting thing that I'll take to a friend's house sometimes or take on vacation sometimes or just kind of have a round to play if a game that is interesting enough comes out. But with those two systems... That was when I was like, man, I really love these things. I'm going to spend a lot of time playing them. So I think because of that, and also because, you know, uh, I think at that point I was at play. So there were other editors who were doing games, you know, and I got that that cycle of I'll play the games I need to play for work first and foremost. So if a, like, Valkyria Chronicles comes around... Then if somebody else is doing that for work, I won't really think about it for a while. And I'll kind of just, you know, miss out on it, <laughs> I think is what happened. Right. I'm kind of like, I just, I ran over to get my controller. I'm kind of like, I want to see, like, what games I have digitally for the PS3. Because there was something I was going to mention, and I'm trying to think of... Of course, you know, the the downside... Is the PS3? Well, I'm not not downside. I've, I've my my opinion of it has changed, but you know, PS3, Xbox 360 era is the era of the first person shooter. So, if you don't like those games, then kind of maybe your opinion of gaming starts changing a little bit because of how it seems the landscape of gamers starts changing this generation. You know, and like I was saying with the PS2, you know, this becomes a generation of everything's bigger and badder and better. You know, bigger budgets, bigger experiences, bigger drama, bigger set pieces, and that kind of middle ground starts getting lost. I, I almost feel like, for an analogy, that they were starting to face similar problems to that of Hollywood. Yeah, you know the big you got the big 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 time summer blockbuster movies that take hundreds of millions of dollars to create, and then they kind of bank off that for kind of a guaranteed mainstream success, and a lot of the other stuff in between, or different stories that need to be told, or different artistic direction is is getting lost. Um, so these aren't all all exclusive PS3, but you know we mentioned before Delia Premonition. That, of course, was an interesting game for me. Uh, I can't believe I actually cared about this, but it turned out fantastic, and that was Sonic and All-Stars Racing. I've heard a lot of good things about it. Really, really fantastic series. Um, I, You know, a lot of people don't like it, but I liked Resident Evil 6, and I especially liked Resident Evil Revelations, 
and the kind of uh, Resident Evil television series feel it had. You know, going back to VanillaWare, of course, you have Dragon's Crown, which is is the game that's... uh, I'm totally spacing on his name now. Kamitani uh, wanted to make after Princess Crown, and he finally makes years and years and years later. Just, I mean, just a gorgeous, like, it's, you know... Kamitani, of course, went on to do the Capcom uh, arcade Dungeons & Dragons games. So Dragon's Crown is like all of that kind of fantastic art style mixed with that arcadey side-scrolling action adventuring, you know, with your friends. I mean, you you like that. Yeah, a beautiful art style. I believe what had up to four player. Um, It can get a little bit crazy on screen at times, but oh yeah, uh, but the leveling up system, the all of the looting, the side quests. wanting to go through again and again for stuff you've missed there's reason to do so so it's uh certainly one to add to the collection and one that's even been on playstation plus in the past for free once if not twice yep i think that's actually how i have my digital copy because i have a physical copy of it but my digital one came through ps plus i Mm. believe um you had some really like standout uh, attempts at new franchises like you had Mirror's Edge, which I totally yeah, believe. I really enjoyed it at the time. You know, you had be- before it kind of I think started falling into just sequelitis. You had Dead Space, which to me was this kind of mix of you know sci-fi and some of the elements of Silent Hill that I've always loved. Um, um I mean, who can forget Demon Souls and then Dark Souls? You know, Dark Souls is one of my favorite games just ever at this point. Uh, Demon Souls, this game that that comes from a company that's been around for years and years and years and years and years, has been releasing games for years and years, and just finally all the pieces come together properly to make this fantastic adventure title uh, that Sony releases in Japan, and then is like, yeah, we don't really care. Like it's it's. One, just one of the best examples of a company not paying attention, and they don't. They just pass on it. Atlas USA says, "Okay, we'll bring Demon Souls out <laughs> in the West." They do. It blows away every expectation a company like that has, because you know, for Atlas, the amount of sales it takes for them to make their money back isn't necessarily as high as a bigger company and bigger projects, and it goes on to sell way way more than they ever thought it would sell or ever needed right. to sell the entire world you know it's like oh so all of a sudden we know this company called from software uh execs at sony are like wow we screwed up <laughs> you know we should never have passed on that we should have realized what we had it was it was it's funny because i i got a chance to play demon souls a little bit before um it came out i got a chance to try it at e3 one year and I played maybe about 10 minutes of it, and I'm like, this game's kind of dumb, and this game kind of sucks. <laughs> you know, because you, you didn't right. understand it, and it just seemed really hard and really complicated, and you just died a lot, and you're like... Oh. And Atlas was really excited about it. And I didn't understand why they were excited about it. And I so I didn't play it more, and we, we get it in, and one of my coworkers... Um, Heather Ann Campbell, she plays it for review, and she just adores it. And she just she cannot stop talking nice things about it. 
and you know nick uh who's around at play that point he can't stop saying good things about it and i'm like maybe i should actually finally play this demon souls game and i play it and it's just amazing and i can't stop saying good things about it you know so it was just like one of those perfect little hidden gems of this of the system that blows up and turned into Dark Souls series for, for Namco Bandai. And of course, Demon Souls and Sony's passing on it leads to the upcoming Bloodborne. So, um, I have Remember Me from Capcom, which it's really funny because I was listening to a uh, podcast you used to be on. Who, me? Today, yes. You actually went back and listened today? I I, uh, I told you earlier wow. that I did yeah, and it was uh, the show where you guys were speculating what the fifth character for Ultra Street Fighter might be, <laughs> and one of you like one of the guesses you talked about but you didn't think was going to be possible was going to happen was uh, Nilan, the main character from Remember Me. Oh okay, that that certainly was not my guess, right? No, but no, but you have my how on the, on the internet that was oh, one of okay, the guesses okay. going around. Yes, um, so that was like a really cool. Uh, Capcom published a little French company did that. That was neat. Um, I've got Binary Domain. I've never actually played I, it. I, Have you touched it? I that? downloaded that on Plus because I actually heard a lot of good stuff about it. Like I remember when it was coming out and I'm like, oh, this is going to be just some, I don't know, subpar third-person Gears of War sci-fi wannabe. And I played it a bit and I should probably keep my mouth shut because I don't think I played it enough. But, I mean, it didn't... It, yeah, I've heard one that's kind of like it's like you have to kind of really spend yeah. time with it and give it give it. A chance. Well, I don't have my list in front of me because the site with my with the stuff I own just went down literally, so I'm, I'm oh. free will in it right now. Um, I'll tell you a third person over the top action game that was fantastic on PS3. It was multi was it multi platform? Vanquish. Vanquish. Yeah, so yep. there was a good one. A platinum hit, and of course, platinum also releases. Anarchy Reigns, a game I loved but just got treated just so yeah, that horribly. Was a weird one, weird story. And had a lot of, a lot of things. How about um, this one? Uh, what about Lollipop okay. Chainsaw? I didn't like it. I wanted to like it oh, really? so bad, but I just couldn't stand Ooh. it. Yeah. I have a thing with Suda. Like I don't I don't think Suda's games are good. Yeah. Well, I well, I I well. Mm. And, and and not even like the bad good kind of game. <laughs> They're just like they're just like so just like yeah, right. like every time I play a game, it's like I could be playing something else I'd mm. enjoy more. You know, the only game I've hit I've really ever really loved, and to be fair, I've I have not played Killer Seven. So I, I, I really I actually stuck with that one and I finished out Killer Seven back in the day on GameCube. But that would be a tough one for me to recommend to others. But I personally really liked it. Yeah, I I I did enjoy Flower Sun Rain on mm. DS just because of how bizarre mm. it is. But I don't know that I would call it a good <laughs> game. Um, I, one of, I think, one of Capcom's most interesting releases in years is Dragon's Dogma. Yeah, I passed on that, but I, I did hear a lot of good things about that. It was just really, it was like, it was, to me, the closest we've ever gotten to like a, a Dungeons and Dragons, like a real Dungeons and Dragons game that, that, that is worth anything. Yeah, I think you reviewed um, you reviewed the beefed up version of that game, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I think I think I reviewed it, both mm. actually. And wasn't the gentleman at Capcom real emotional for getting to do that game? It was like a dream of his to always do that game. I I think so. 
That sounds familiar. Ooh, that was weird. My Google Chrome just magically opened up out of nowhere. But I'm sorry. Oh. Uh, here's here's one for you because I know you love The Devil May Cry. Uh, DMC. I I really liked it. I Good. I really did. Um, you should. And the other thing is, is you know the big thing, which which bothered me originally, but you know everyone talks about the white hair or that that kind of stupid stuff that that changed, which is you know real iconic with the character. But you know a lot of that stuff is accessible or unlockable or whatever in in DMC. So and if you if you actually play through the game, that's what I that's what I mean. So I mean, so I mean, this is a good point we bring up, right? Like, don't you feel like a lot of people who are still no, pe- people just crapped in that game. Like they, 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 they literally, they legitimately did not give that game a chance. Well, and 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 well, I, when, when, before you go on, I was going to say I think that if you've played it and don't like it, more power to you. But I think so many people who hate on it and just call it crap and everything, I think they. Never I agree. Even touched it. I, I, go, I agree with that hundred percent. It had great visuals. Uh, I, I thought it was really good. And speaking of DMC. Uh, you're gonna have to help me out here. The company that uh, created it, Ninja, yeah. So Ninja, Ninja Theory? Theory, I feel bad for them because I thought they did really well. Uh, not only with that, but they also did Heavenly Sword and Enslaved, another yeah. one that's forgotten about. People don't talk about. Yeah. And then I believe their newest project. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is Hellblade? I yeah, think so. That's I'm what interested it's in that. Yeah. Like, I, the... I really don't think. Ninja Theory has done a bad game. I, I think you know. I think, I think in, they did in, a smart. I mean, some smarty pants out there. I think they did a smartphone game or something recently, which, which to me just looked. I could give. I could give her a rat's butt. Right. About, right. But yeah. On their, you know. I think with DMC, you know, taking a franchise that's that hardcore and that beloved, um, I think they did probably one of the best jobs that could have been expected. Because you were never going to get, like, the original Devil May Cry series right. again from, from this project. That's not, that's not what it was supposed to be. That's, when, that's not what it could have been, you know. It was just supposed to be, here's a different take on the series. And I think in, in that case, it was just a really, really good game. It had problems, sure. Like, it was 30 frames a second, not 60, you know. There were some other things that you could legitimately complain about. But I think given you know every possibility of what you could end up with from that situation i think it was a fantastic game i agree i i just feel like ninja theory never caught a break nope i don't think so um i'm trying to think what else Uh, tokyo jungle another uh, ps3 exclusive (laughs) that's a great little game uh way of samurai 4 i haven't actually yeah that one's beyond me that one i've never uh never played yeah, and I mean, there, there's others like Folklore was a, a PS3 exclusive, so I can't, I can't oh, see, you know. It, I was going to say, I feel like, you know, and while it was multi-platform, I felt like Batman finally returned to prominence in a gaming series that was worthy. Yep. yep. You know what I was, I mean, what I'm thinking, and I don't know if you'll agree with this or disagree with this, but I feel like... I feel like the PS3 for me is a I'm I'm trying to think of how I want to say this. I almost 
I almost it kind of feels like a kind of a Dreamcast system to me. Like all the games, a, a majority of the games I own for the PS3 are a little bit weirder, or a little more niche, or a little more unusual. Mm. Like I feel like everything on the PS2 there was just so much stuff and so many options. But I feel like on the PS3, I feel like this was more of a um, a fandom kind of series. Like, the Dreamcast was great. I love the Dreamcast. It had some fantastic games. But it, it a lot of times it felt like the games you were playing on Dreamcast, you were playing because that's the only choice you had, not because it was a choice you wanted to make. Like... I remember playing Soul Calibur and, you know, great series. I don't think anything against it. But Soul Calibur wasn't necessarily the fighting game I wanted to play at that point. But I played it because it was kind of the big fighting game on Dreamcast. And it was the one that that everybody else was playing because that was kind of the main option. And when Skies of Arcadia came out, I didn't necessarily want to play Skies (laughs) of Arcadia. It wasn't necessarily the game that appealed to me the most, but it was the RPG at that point. And it it was just like one of one of the options I had out of a, a small list of options. I almost kind of feel like the PS3 games I own, they aren't necessarily all games I own because that's exactly the game I wanted. But it's more, well, if I'm picking from what's available... This is what's most interesting to me. Like I just, I feel. Yeah, like, I don't want to say because they like, were good games. So it's, I don't want to use the saying. You're hu- yeah. if you're hungry, you'll eat it. But that's kind of yeah. how I feel. Is is that I I feel like as compared to the PS2, where I felt like there was just everything, and I could concentrate on the games I really cared about. You know, I could go after the games I wanted. If I wanted an RPG, I had so many choices I could pick. I could pick Persona 3, you know, I could pick Persona 4, I could pick uh, Digital Devil Saga. I feel like on the PS3, it was more, well, this is what you've got. I think that's a good way to put it. I almost want to say I feel like that with PS4 right now, but, and, and I think that's no, not, definitely, definitely, and so that's far. not even really a knock on Sony or whatever. I think that's just the state of the industry right now. Like, I think there's a lot of games, and, and I'm not upset because there's a, you know, I'm proud. I feel like a lot of the games I own are really good. I really don't own any stink bombs, but I feel like I've experienced a whole hell of a lot more Western games in the last five years or so because of what yep. I have to choose from. Yep. That and, you know, me talking about earlier about the handhelds, um, you know, with somebody like me who loved Atlas, that's where I had to go because... What do we get from Atlas on this generation? We get Catherine, and that's it. <laughs> Speaking of handhelds in Japan and the West and all that, I will say the 3DS and even the Vita, arguably, even though their library isn't anywhere near as dense or and what have you, the handhelds both still feel very Japanese. Like if you look at my console yep. collection of the more modern era stuff, like of the PS4, Xbox One, and all that. I mean, it's just littered with Western titles. My 3DS and Vita, without looking at my list, I'll be damned if you can pick out any Western games on them. I mean, would you sit with, like, do you feel like that it's kind of old school in that way where a lot of the stuff you buy on those handhelds 
it's still yep. all Japanese. Totally, absolutely. As that's part, of, that's part of why I love it. You know, but I mean, part of it too is just Western companies don't care about mm. handhelds. You know, if they're going portable, they're going to yeah, iOS or yeah. Android. Um, but you know, you know, I was just thinking is I think part of the problem too with PS3 is PS3 and that that generation overall was kind of the um, we're waiting generation, right? I'm I'm waiting for Persona. I'm waiting for The Last Guardian. I'm I'm waiting for Sony Japan to release a bunch of stuff. You're still waiting for Neo. I'm 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 yeah, <laughs> I'm waiting for that. I'm I'm waiting for Final Fantasy. Right? Like PS2, you get Final Fantasy 10, 11, and 12. And no matter what you think of 11, you get two absolutely fantastic single-player right. RPGs. PS3 generation is basically Final Fantasy 13. Right. That entire generation, we got... Because I don't care if it was three games, we got one game. We got one game and you know, and two sequels to it. Like you know, we, we didn't move on. We didn't. We didn't get another Final Fantasy game. Uh, well, technically, you know, just game, this is just for the to save on emails. Technically, they did do fourteen on PS3 as well, didn't they? But right, yeah, it's not. It's I, right. It's I, on PS4 and the right, right. right. That yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like you know, like if we're taking right. eleven right. out of the equation, I'm taking fourteen out of the equation, and um, you know, the the game, the game that. It's going to be Final Fantasy 15 was supposed to be out in this generation. We were waiting for that. You know, it, it just it just feels like so much of this generation was just we're waiting, and because I'm waiting for a lot of like I'm waiting for a lot of these companies to do stuff. Like, um, name me name me a Konami game this generation that's not Metal Gear Solid Four. Oh, easy. What? Zone of the Enders HD collection. <laughs> That's <know>. a remake. <laughs> what were you expecting? I say, uh, Pro Evolution Soccer. I mean, I I can actually think of two because I can think of the two Western developed Silent Hill oh, games. Oh yeah, I I'd probably rather go with. But that was still like, you know, we're we're waiting for Konami to do anything. You know, we're we're waiting for these companies to release. Well, the saddest stuff. news for we're, me with Konami, I think it was this year, was was it Koji Igarashi no longer working there? I mean, how yep. sad is that? I mean, if you don't have a spot, that guy should be like in the Hall of Fame. Like he should have a job there for life, no matter what, even if he's not making any games. You know, it just it's all it's all about what you've done recently, though. You do you feel? I mean, look, I'm not stupid, but like, do you really feel that's the case? Absolutely, yeah. As I mean, in, in, that, in that kind of case, definitely. Mm. I think it was it was just you know like what have you done for me lately? Kind of. I've kind never of bought any of those uh, Lords of Shadow games, nor will yeah. I. Uh, so I mean, and, and look, and I'm you know, I think being fair, being fair, there are a lot of games for these systems that came out. But there's nowhere near as many games that came out in the previous generation. 
and I said to me, I feel like a lot of it was just I'm waiting for something. Uh, yeah, to I, I, I'll say I feel like there were a lot of games that came out, but they don't have the same sentiment, and they don't maybe appeal to us as much, or don't hold the same value. Uh, and I think you put it perfectly in that it's more like what kind of what we have to choose from to eat, and not being our first choices. Yeah, and I almost think, and I could be totally wrong on this, but I almost think that the generation we're in now is going to be much better for gaming. I, I, I think the Xbox 360 PS3 generation, if, if we look back, it's going to be like that was the kind of off year. I, I really want but, to agree with you, and I'm excited for the power of this new hardware with the the potential. And I'm so guilty because I've bought a lot of first-person shooters, so I'm going to be a hypocrite. But I don't want to rush to agree with you on that yet, only because I don't know how many more of these FPSs and that we're going to see. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that that's kind of my worry. And and I would really love to see a little bit more single player focused titles, or like they can have a little bit of multiplayer. But I don't I don't want to see so much stuff turn to multiplayer only and online only. That's a big fear of mine. Yeah, no, there's that. And there's also, of course, the fear of um, a lot of this early generation being just remasters of games that came last right. generation. You know, and I said, I could be completely wrong, but I just, I have this hope that um, I know this first year has been really rough and slow for the new systems, but I think once things kick into gear, I think we'll be having a better trip than we had on, mm. on the previous systems. I, I don't know why, but that, that's, that's just kind of like what I'm feeling like is that is, is, you know, but I don't know, but at the same time, I don't know because, you know, the PS3 still played home to some of the crazy little Japanese games. And I don't know if those games now exist as just digital downloads only, or if they all just go to the Vita and, and the well. 3DS. Which I'm I'm completely content if they go to the 3ds and Vita, you know, myself. But I I don't I don't know how that shakes out. I just I I just I feel like the hardware last generation, it, because you know you were making the jump from the PS3 to PS3, and a lot more was possible, but just the hardware wasn't good enough. So you know we had the really messy frame rates, we had the screen tearing, we had the slowdown. We had the games where you couldn't have enough players in a match at the same time. You know, I think a lot of limitations are gone this generation, and I think we're going to have better resolutions, better textures, better frame rates. So I just think that by the end, this will hopefully be a generation, better generation than last year. A lot more perfecting and fine-tuning. And and I, and I think I think in a weird way, gaming might actually get cheaper to make because the development kits are are more robust, um, they're more mature, the hardware's easier, the hardware's more standardized. You know, I, I, I that's my hope. That's my hope, and I hope I'm not wrong because I I don't I don't I don't want things to continually just get like worse and worse generation as generations go on now let me say this before we now we've just cracked the four hour mark 
And we're not doing portable <laughs> positions, by the way. That's a, that's we, a completely different podcast. We, we have cracked the four-hour mark on the latest generic video game podcast, episode four. Now, with that being said, I think Shidoshi and I will close out on a final segment shortly, which will not be as extensive or intensive. Uh, just as a reminder to fans, want to thank you for listening once again, hitting that download button. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter at, you can find myself, Anthony, at 24BitAJE, that's with the number two and the number four. Find my one and only co-host, Shidoshi, at Picoeri on Twitter, that's P-I-K-O-E-R-I. Don't forget to send this to love, the questions the comments at generic at morningproject.com. Also, I want to let uh, I want to let enthusiast fans, hardcore fans, know to thank you for the support on the last episode, including the corrections and some of the mistakes we've made. <laughs> Don't forget to go to radio.morningproject.com, and if you go to episode three, within the comments, you can see a corrections list as well as links to other sites with information to help correct and rectify any boo-boos we may have made. And uh, and, and to be fair, when, when your podcast is four and a half hours long, like you're, you're getting pretty good in the percentage of, of right, right to wrong. So, so I feel for three or four slip-ups over the course of nearly six hours, I didn't think that was too bad. Yeah, and just to let everybody know, if, if they go to that site and comment, the way the commenting system works is... If you're if you're brand new, you never commented before, then your first comment will always go through moderation, which I do personally. Um, so usually it takes a few days, at worst a week, uh, to have the, your first comment go live. And once it does, then you can post just fine from there on out. It's just a kind of way to help avoid spam and, and people just screwing around and things like that. And let me ask you this. I don't think we have time for the mailbag this evening, but have we been getting any mail at generic at morningproject.com? Well, we, we, we don't have any right now and I would love to get some, but I will say that for, for now you can email that address. Uh, next show we will have a new address. Cause what I have found out is, um, you having your email name be generic gets you a lot well. of spam which I did not think about when I made that. So I will have to call it something else. But for now, just email us still generic at morningproject.com. And if we get any emails, they will be on the mm. next show. Uh, but I did real quick before we move on, because there's, there's, I think there's one last thing we have to say about the PS3, especially talking about 20 years of PlayStation, is that at this point, because of digital downloads, because of what the system can support, whether or not you have a new system or an old system. Um, I think the PS3 feels kind of like this is the first 20 years of PlayStation. You know, because on my system, I have PS3 games digitally, I have PS2 games digitally, and I have PS1 games digitally. And I can play all those games on the same yeah, console. Kind of, yep. And... Yeah, and, and given how iffy uh, backward compatibility has been over the years, you know, this is just amazing that this one console can do three generations. Like, we talked about PS1 games. I'm looking at my system. I have, you know, I have Vib Ribbon. I have Metal Gear Solid. I have Persona 2. 
I have Resident Evil. I have I'm Jammer Lammy, you know, I have Silent Hill. I have Castlevania. I have like these these classic old games. I go to PS2. I have oh look, Persona 4, you know, the Rido games, Fatal Frame 2, Odin Sphere, the Fantasy Star Collection, you know. So like it's 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 cool because Again, the compatibility of discs obviously depends on which model you have, but this is one console that kind of like covers three generations of PlayStation, and that's that's and I I I know to be fair, you know, like Nintendo's been doing that kind of with the Wii to some to some degree, um, but it's it's just neat. It's it's neat. It's it's a, it's kind of a reason I think that my PS3 will be hooked up longer than most other systems. You know, because of its, uh, also because you know I can I can rip my own DVDs and put them on here, and put them off the hard drive. I can have these three generations of PlayStation games. I can do streaming stuff. So like th- this system still to me has just. Real do you do value. that? You transfer some of your movies and whatnot, uh, the files to the. Oops. Oh yeah, yeah. So I have currently I have eighty two movies on my on my PS three. How big is your hard drive? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, wow. one terabyte. Um, so yeah, I, I basically, what I do is I just, I put my, cause I have just a ton of old DVDs and so I just put them in my computer and rip them to MP4. Mm. And then well, maybe Ken Kudaragi was right. Yeah. So, so yeah, I just like, there's just, to me, there's still so much value in the system, even past when. Well, that I completely agree with you on because the, my digital library on PS3 is, is absolutely embarrassing and it's also a reason why I have a backup new PlayStation 3 console in case something happens to work with because there's an abundance of content on there, and I completely agree with you on that one unit, no matter how old it gets, there's such a wide range uh, and variety of games to play from over so many years. It's it's one of those things like where, for comparison's sake, like while it's all in the PlayStation family, you know, it's not like years from now we'd be going back to look for like a Retron 5 or to go back and pick up all these old systems. The PS3 is kind of a one-stop shop for two decades of, of PlayStation gaming. Uh, and you can't beat right. that, you know what I mean, instead of having five different systems hooked up or whatever. Yep. Yep, totally. So what's our last segment? Well, I figure we can end it on something positive. It's it's something that fans, uh, while well, you know what, it is kind of... Uh, Sony exclusive at the moment, but uh, yeah, we forgot both this. PlayStation earlier, so Three yeah. generation of gamers and PlayStation Four will be able to enjoy uh, this absolutely gorgeous-looking exclusive two D, three D fighter, whatever you want to call it, anime come to life in Guilty Gear Xard, which has a very special demo, which went live today in the states for PlayStation Plus. Subscribers, which I think it's until December eighth or something like that. Uh, for the demo, because oh okay, yeah, it only runs for a few weeks. I think it's like the eighth, the tenth that it, it it's mm. done. But you know, I mean, we don't want we don't want to talk about it too much because it's just kind of demos on only two characters and everything. But you know, I've been for months and months and months. Uh, I've been saying how amazing this game looks and how impressed I am and how blown away and just confused and bewildered I am. And Anthony finally had a chance to kind of really try it in person 
you know, in, in his actual home. So I wanted to see what he thought of, of how the game looks. Uh, here's the deal. The, when you're actually playing the main game itself, the, the visuals are gorgeous. And it's, it's real easy to use words like that. Gorgeous, beautiful, what have you. And to echo something you've said in the past, you know, you feel like it's you're playing with sprites or hand-drawn, but they're truly 3D models. Now, the thing is, is to clarify that, these would be like redrawn sprites if we were using that term. So, like, the sprites would be updated sprites from the Guilty Gear universe, but in reality, they're, they're not that. They're truly 3D uh, characters, and th- it really gets driven home when there's either a cutscene or a a camera yep. change. Uh, so here's the one that really threw me for a loop. So first off, when, when it gives you a little bit of the story and the characters are talking to each other, it is damn, damn, damn close to feeling like you're watching an HD anime. I was going to say, yeah, it, it feels like you're watching, like, like really high-res cell animation or, or just, like, modern kind of digital... And, and here's the crazy thing. Even if you if you don't want to believe what you're seeing, let's say you're like, you know what? These cutscenes are such BS. When I'm playing the game itself, you know, maybe they're doing some sort of trickery or black magic. Well, I was thrown for a loop when I hit the R1 button, which was to send my opponent into the air for an air combination, not thinking anything of it. And the camera switched on the fly to this weird upward angle to really show the depth of the characters and then switched back immediately either when the combo was either over or if it was, you know, just countered. And mind you, there is no lag or anything on this. When you see that that visual switch on the fly with what what is really going on in the game, that was shocking. Yeah. It's it's, like I said, you you can't just... You're you're seeing things that your entire life as a gamer has taught you should not be possible. And, and, and another way to put this, like some may go, well, in Street Fighter Four, you kind of see something maybe like that when they do their their super arts or their special, and it zooms in up close, and you see those you know those expressive animated faces on the 3D characters, but like. But when you look at the characters in Street Fighter Four from the even from the two D perspective, you can still see that they're three D models. Oh yeah, they, they don't. Yeah, they totally look like just game. game so characters. even though someone listening may be like, "Well, you know, Street Fighter does some of that fancy camera work," when you see it on Guilty Gear X, it it like blows that away. It, 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 because yeah. it, because it, like you've said, it looks two D, and then it's not. You're you're just like, you know, your your mind. The first thing your mind says is, how long did these guys spend, like drawing these 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 frames? You know, because it, it, it like if you if you I mean if you get up close you can tell, but if you sit back a little bit and. You watch those those intros for matches. It's just, it's crazy, and 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 you you would think, you know, we've we've seen games before where you where it has like the you know the FMV sequence, and 
then it just kind of blends into the game automatically. Yeah, it's like that's what you feel like you're watching. You know, this would probably like, take it, a million years. But you know how in like the Blaze Blue games and and uh, even like the Persona Ultimax, how the, to stretch things out in the story mode, they'll put the portraits up of the characters with different frames they have drawn, but it's a lot of talking right. back and forth. Now, I know this would take a bazillion years. Could you imagine a story mode fully fleshed out like in Guilty Gear or whatever, but every but everything is animated out like an anime episode using that engine with the characters? In- oh, I, 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 I mean, I think it's coming. I mean, I think that has to be coming at some point. It's, it's, I, well, I don't know, because the thing is, you know, I, and I talked to the, to the director of the game, and the thing to remember is, is that this actually, I mean, it's, this is still a hard process, because you, you kind of, you want to just tell yourself, Okay, they're just like three D character right. models, so they can just do whatever. So this is this is way easier than than hand drawn characters. But you know, when you see the character models, when you see what they've done, they've really spent a lot of time, and put a lot of work into making sure like every little piece moves properly. You know, things don't clip the wrong way. The shadowing looks like the shadows should look and stuff. So I think of as of this point, it's it's still not an easy project. <laughs> to make right. these characters but I think that once you get all the basics done I think there's probably things you can start doing with, with this game and stuff like, like that kind of story aspects that will go just so far beyond what they could do before I'll also say this to really lay it on thick here with the, the hype train and I said some of this on Twitter You know, I've been playing games for about 30 years now and you know you and I have seen it all and I think it takes a lot to get excited like you know like Bayonetta 2 came out I was hyped up for that and I loved it you know great game but like I don't get excited about games like I used to like when I was a kid and I'll anticipate certain things and and I still get excited and mind you I'm not like jumping for joy right now but I will say Guilty Gear XR is the first title, at the very least from a visual perspective and what it's doing uniquely. I I haven't been this interested from a tech perspective and what have you in a game. Gotta be like in 10 years. Oh yeah, I, I, I can't remember... Like you just said, tech-wise. I mean, we got to go back in my. Art, we got to go back to the J- days of like Jet Set Radio and Metal Gear Solid Two. Like we have to go back that far, in my opinion, at least visually, from, yeah. from where I was like really like, wow, I can't believe like what they're doing. Or, and it's really amazing because it's using the Unreal Three engine. I know. I don't know. How I mean, that, we're not talking I, about like, like the latest and greatest tech. I mean, they're using an engine. Yeah. It. It. it it's not some secret project they've been working on. It you're like, you're like, how does how does Arc? But I mean, to be fair, like with as much 2D as they pump out fighting game wise, you've always kind of been like, how does Arc do this? You know, um, and with this game, you're especially like, how how does Arc do this? How did they how did they make this game? How did they even figure this out? How did they get this to look like this when nobody else has made characters even close to this kind of level? I I don't know what I mean I I, I I won't know the answer to this but I would like to know what their peers in the industry think like especially in Japan upon seeing this or other fighting comp- or companies that are known for fighting games like whether it be SNK or Capcom or 
uh, like I would like to know their mental thoughts or like or, or are they on to something similar? Uh, I, I mean, I, I love I love SNK Sprites. Right. I, I love SNK Sprites. I love what they did with King of Fighters 12 and 13 in terms of character sprites and everything. But if I was SNK and I saw this, I would feel like my last four years or five years, I don't even know how long it's been at this point, like the last four or five years have been just a waste. Like I feel like it, I feel like everything I've just done. Like you're saying, if they're working the on something in secret or like another update, like to having seen what they've achieved visually from uh, Arc System Works or whatever, just yeah, yeah. Because I mean, because even with even because as long as it's taking S and K to get what they're doing right, it's done, it's not going to be this. The, those characters still aren't HD, and to 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 make new attacks or new poses or new outfits or anything. They've got to put so much effort into right. that game, and like I said, I, me me a year ago would have said I was blasphemous for saying that that SNK should drop sprites and go with three D character models. But once you see what Guilty Gear looks like now, and once you see what Arc has done with it, it's it convinces you there is life after sprites, and I just have to think that like. All the effort SNK has put in is now worthless, just because going forward, if we want any more King of Fighters games, they're gonna have to just put so much effort. Anytime they make a new character, anytime they want to update right. other characters, you know, like just just taking Terry and making Terry like Mark of the Wolves Terry versus old school Terry, like that that that's gonna take. That's a whole process. Just. Hundreds of hours of man manpower to do do that, you know. Whereas with what Arc's done, you can you can you can make those kind of tweaks. I mean, they're still going to take time, but you can make them way quicker than you can with an actual. Yeah, sprite. you're saying once they get that foundation down and and their kind of their routine is what you're saying. In the long run, it's going to outpace that yeah. of the traditional hand drawn. I just, I mean, like I like do do we do we even get another King of Fighters Boy, at this I, point? I, I wish I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I mean, I don't want to talk stupid talk, but, like, what are the odds of... I mean, is there even a chance someone like SNK could license out or let someone like Arc System do King of Fighters for them or with them overseeing it with that an engine like that? I mean, I don't even know how that would work, but... And the problem is I just, I just don't know... Like, I don't know how complex what Arc has put together is and if it's a case of just, like, oh, SNK can figure out themselves or if is it, like... Is this a case where SNK should just like license the right. tech from Arc or or pay them to have, have classes <laughs> or something? You know, but I mean, King of Fighters thirteen came out uh, four yeah. four years ago. Can now. you believe that? Like, is there is there any? I mean, God bless. Them yeah, I, I mean, did. I love it, but I love what they did. I love what they tried, but I think they doomed themselves because i just i don't think especially a company like snk i don't think they can keep up that series needing what it needs and again you're you're getting games that really aren't hd in terms of the character sprites hmm they they technically aren't i mean they're 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 still you know they're they're not i see what you're saying like they're they're a higher resolution they're drawn they're they're drawn smaller and blown up ah basically mm. well 
I mean, I, I will say this. The the Guilty Gear, you got to give it a shot at least, at least to take a look at it if you're a PlayStation 4 owner and, and it's coming to PlayStation 3 as well. So... Uh, and, and it's, it's cross-play. That's right. That's right. So if you... If you have one yeah. copy, then you can you can play people on the other wow. on the other system. It's not cross by, <laughs> just to be clear, but it is it is cross. So ju- just I mean just just to tell you here, so I I grabbed a just random uh, character sprite from King of Fire thirteen. So the height of that sprite is only two hundred and twenty nine pixels, and you 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 consider full HD. Is of course 1080 pixels. So um, am I am I correct in thinking that they're blowing that three to four times larger than? The, I I it's at least it's at least mm. twice. I'm I'm just gonna do let's see if I do 200 percent here. Um, yeah, I, I wonder if on screen if it's two or three times. So I mean, so like I said, all this work SNK is putting in these characters, and they're they're still actually only, you know, they're they're not even. Uh, a fourth or they're about a fourth I'm only going to bring this up because we're on this weird uh, topic now but you know where I have seen a couple of the King of Fighters 13 style sprites pop up recently is in that weird Chinese only HD 2D fighter that Dong Zhou Huan I, I don't even know how to pronounce it you know what I'm talking about I I think I think and, like, I know fell what off, you're like about. I'm sure it yeah. still exists and it's being played, but like I actually used to see updates on Shoryuken and some of the other sites, but I haven't seen an update in like a year. But I think the game like it exists and it's done. But I mean, there's a weird example of SNK characters getting licensed out elsewhere, and the game actually looked pretty good, but it was like done in the same style as as King of Fighters 13. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, there's another weird weird uh thing anomaly yeah <laughs> but yeah so i don't know i i uh, i mean nothing against arc but i i said i i as an snk fan for life i i kind of wish this was snk doing something like this but oh i know what i was going to say to end it on the note was uh if if a new king of fighters was being done in 3d with that look from guilty gear xr that would be something to get excited about not that not that maximum impact or pachinko slot, three D. No, that that yeah yeah. I mean, I uh, SNK just didn't didn't ever grasp the concept of of three D fighters, and I think it was because they were they were trying to um, make them more three D fighters. That they need to do. I mean, I would I, before I would have said they need to do what Capcom did was with with uh, Street Fighter Four, but now I say they need to do what Arc did right. with Guilty Gear. They need to do just exactly that. Keep it a 2D fighter, but just make your characters in 3D and make them look like sprites and make everybody happy. <laughs> it's as, it's as easy, easy as that. Easy enough, right? right. Easy as that. Well, as we uh, get ready to sign off here to fans, just want to let you know, we've already done our plugs, paid our bills. Uh, there's there's a lot of other stuff uh, we didn't get to this evening, but hopefully you've enjoyed what you heard. Uh, Black Friday is upon us. Uh, be safe. Uh, next time, next around, uh, we might talk a little bit about Sunset Overdrive. Uh, I did finally get that Kickstarter Mega Drive book. I'll give you some opinions on that. And and, and by next show, uh, I should have the full version. At least I should have the full version of Guilty Gear. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Well, 
Yeah. Well, that's sounding that's sounding good. And then last, uh, I didn't really discuss this with uh, my co-host. Just food for thought. Probably wouldn't happen till 2015. Uh, would you like to hear a show focused around our top 25 personal Japanese video game experiences? So, kind of a little slightly oh, different take on the boy. top list. So. Not so much the top 25 Japanese games ever made, but more just our own personal experiences, our own top 25 to maybe. Do you know, do you realize how long well, 25 for each Well, hey, on, an, hey, on another show that I used to do, we did a top 50. Now, I cut it in half knowing the environment that I'm in here. So I was thinking if we did go through with it, literally, I would come in prepared which is why I don't want to put a timetable on this. It may be a few months. I was thinking of maybe coming up with my list and maybe writing a paragraph or two at most about each respective title so we can kind of go in with it with uh, firm thoughts and then just brief comments afterwards to get it done within a realistic, like maybe even a couple hours. But, yeah, there is no way I, could, I and or you could do a top 25 shooting from the hip. Uh, without any sort of prep, because that that would be a twenty five hour podcast. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll have to think about that because that that frightens me. That so I am willing to do that. I'm willing to give it a shot, but I will only be doing that with notes in hand, where I can just read out in a clear, concise statement each respective piece, and go from there. So I don't know. If I say that because I know in the past the top episodes are always. Uh, popular with fans so uh you know i've been thinking topics like that maybe discussing the need for maybe less violent games not saying i want to ban what's out there now but the direction in in, uh, in games needs to change and um maybe even our thoughts and i'm, I'm, not, I'm not even going to mention the mainstream topic of the controversial things that are going on lately but i, I mean this more in general and maybe in a friendly way um, maybe discussing girl gamers uh, in gaming a bit. This is, I'm just saying this out loud. Like I'm, I haven't put too much thought into it. Or like maybe, um, where am I headed with this? Like maybe some standout people, or maybe some things that maybe need to change for for the female gamer. But I'm not talking about some of the other big topics that have been in in gaming lately. So I don't know. Just okay. uh, kind of food for thought. And uh, obviously, people can email us uh, with their own take or what they maybe want to hear. Yep, email us or or, or Twitter, Twitter, tweet us on the, on the tweeters, <laughs> Twitters. We're always there. I haven't been lately because I've just been dead doing work, but I uh, I'll be there again, finally. So for once again, here myself, Anthony, and uh, on behalf of Shidoshi, want to thank you for listening, and until next time. We want to thank you, and please stay tuned for the next episode of the Generic Video Game Podcast.